Now, I bet you can sit down and draw something even better than this. Let's try. Um, I don't feel like it. Well, then just do it real quick, like before. Oh, I get it. Is that how you get your kicks? You get little kids to draw stuff when they ain't even really trying that hard just so you can laugh? You sick. Finished? No, man. Gun damn, stop sweating me. I mean, can I draw? Can I put the Gun damn lines on the pages, please? Please? Alright everyone, welcome back to Goddammit MHQ. This is episode 91 and this is one of your hosts, Neil. Joined with, um, join with me always is Soul Bro and Chris. Hello guys, how are you? What's up Gundam Nation? I'm alright. DK, you're back. Where's Chris? <laughs> oh, you made a mess and he had to go clean it up in the bathroom with the pot poo-poo and the wee-wee. Ew. Was it, was, it, was it you that made that mess or he made that mess? I was scared. <laughs> I heard a noise. <laughs> it there turned some... out to be a cricket. Oh, oh, oh there's crickets this year, this time of year, huh? Man, why, why do you get so scared, DK? It's scary. Scary. Hmm. Yeah. Well, at least there wasn't any mobile suits like the last episode that showed up. Down oh, there. mobile suits are really scary. <laughs> <laughs> DK, what doesn't scare you? I mean, we, we know that pretty much everything does. Is there anything that doesn't scare you? I mean... Food. Food. <laughs> but if it's live food, like sushi, that's, you know, raw. Would that scare you? That's kind of scary. <laughs> DK, are you dead? We lost DK. DK, what happened? A mobile suit must have shown up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would have heard a little a little fart go off and we would... Hopefully, hopefully uh, Chris's mic did get him. <laughs> anyway, moving oh. on. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, what happened? <laughs> did you did you strangle out DK? <laughs> DK just have explosive diarrhea again and just get on everything, even yes. the mic. <laughs> oh man, Woo. DK. Well, um, <laughs> after those introductions, I guess we'll go right into the episode here. Yes, um, let's get to some news. In this episode, we'll be doing uh, the fourth installment, and we'll be reviewing the fourth installment of Gundam Unicorn, and uh, the next four episodes, episodes uh, five through eight of Gundam Age, or Gundam Rage, whatever you want to call it, but before that, it's we'll some news. <laughs> and uh, this is coming from the Leo, Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Megatalk Forum. And the first one here comes from uh, Poster Flamex, and um, Chris, are you going to be able to take this, because I know this is bad news for you, but this comes from the Anime News Network. 
Bandai Entertainment to close its online store in December. Are you shedding a tear, or are you surprised? Uh, not surprised, but but somewhat annoyed since they were the cheapest place to get Unicorn on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's going to close on December 29th, and it's already selling stuff at a discount. So um, definitely check that out because I'm sure there will probably be a pretty good fire sale. So it, yeah. The company's saying it's going to continue to sell its DVDs, Blu-ray disc, and other products and merchandise on at other online retailers. So for more money, for more, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, at least I got my fourth volume of Unicorn. So that that came ahead of this uh, closure, but it's it still sucks. And that deserved to be at a discount. So um, that fourth episode. So thank you, Mr. Flame X, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from uh, Gundam Type Zero, and he's actually got a couple little stories here. And one he's going to be, I'm going to give him. Uh, shared credit with with uh, another poster prince of Zeon. but the first one here is uh comes from the j uh jfusion.com website and the old one one rx78-2 it's returning back to tokyo they uh it's been going right back to obadiah island uh next uh just where it was about about two or three years ago and it's going to be used for um you know charity events and stuff like that it's uh doing it for that you know the the earthquake that they had a what earlier this year mm-hmm. um so they're going to be doing it to help raise some funds for the charity drive there so uh definitely check that out if you get to be in um in japan during that time and uh, if you have any extra bucks or extra yen i definitely would uh, give them some um next one here is is also from gonna type zero but um, he's gonna be sharing this with princess Zion because they both posted this up here so um this comes from uh, Tomopop.com, and uh, you know if you're into sneakers, uh, nothing would complete your collection more than the Reebok Tachikoma-inspired sneakers. And uh, you just definitely have to check them out. They're they're very interesting. Uh, not as goofy as you would think they would look, considering uh, if you just read the headline there. But they actually look all right. I mean, um, definitely something Japanese people would wear, and I think a lot of Americans would wear them too <laughs> if they had the. Uh, Given that there's only, what, like 500 of them and they're expensive, I don't think there are anything that you would ever actually wear. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, you'd be like some of those guys here in the U.S. that, you know, collect uh, Nikes and Jordans and stuff. They have, like, you know, like, uh, they have that shit all under glass. So, um, like, if I I bought one of those Marty McFly sneakers, I could never... I could never bring myself to wear it just more than putting them on once because, you know, of the money. I got to give it to Nike, too. I mean, it, it, it's funny that they did that. Granted, I mean, they, they did it with uh, they what sold them on eBay. And I think like, yeah. the first pair went for like $35,000, which is yeah. amazing. But, um, yeah, definitely check these out. These are pretty cool, though. So, um, y- you know, uh, thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero and Princess Zeon for your submission there. And one last one from Gundam Type Zero. He was a, he was a busy beaver this time. Um, you know, Crossbone Gundam, the greatest Gundam show ever that never has been made. But it's going to be great because the models but, look awesome. But should be because people haven't read it, so that makes it awesome. And it's an amazing story that no one's read, but they know it's amazing. And I guess comes... we, better, we, we should sit down and actually talk about Crossbone someday so we can actually lay I out. Re- I need to reread it. Everything that's wrong with it. Oh shoot! Yeah, I, I I haven't read it in a couple of years, but I would definitely be up for that challenge to reread it. I guess yeah, that's Gundam 2012. Yeah, get out <laughs> get out my legal pad. My legal pad's going to be pretty uh f- pretty full next year. You know, between notes for that, probably whenever we get around uh, Prince of Darkness, and uh, you know, so I definitely have to visit. I definitely have to get to Office Depot this week. Um, 
And this is from the GGInfiniteNews.com website. Uh, Crossbone Gundam Ghost Manga is set to be um, debuting in Gundam Ace. And um, it's, uh, you know, of course, uh, a sequel to the greatest uh, manga, Gundam manga ever, Crossbone Gundam. So uh, definitely check that out. And thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your ver- uh, multiple submissions. And next one here comes from Raptor. And... Um, I know this is probably something we'll be talking about uh, in probably the second segment of this of this uh, of this episode, and um, the, he's got a link here for uh, TatsuHobby.com, and the the HGGXs from Gundam Rage is going to be uh, is coming out is available for pre-order, and it's going to be delivered uh, January 11th. This is 2011, but I don't think we're going back in time. I would, ima- I, I would imagine that's a typo. It's 2012. <laughs> so, uh, you know, all fans of the old White Wolf's uh, mobile suit, which is pretty damn cool looking. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, definitely check that out. Hopefully we'll get some more things in a, a high grade. We'll get some other things a little bit later, which I'm sure we will. But uh, next one here comes from uh, Poster Dolo. And uh, for all those people that don't haven't, haven't spent enough money on anime, here is uh, Aniplex has confirmed the release of Fate Zero X Blu-ray boxes for $498 U.S., so uh, yeah, so if you, um, <laughs> this comes from the <laughs> this comes from the Anime News Network. So um, you know, for you know, even though if you if you haven't uh, spent for overpriced uh, anime before, you can definitely do it with this. Uh, it's a um, Blu-ray box set. It's got the first thirteen episodes of the series. So that's that's actually even awesome. You don't even get the full it's even series. More awesomer. Yeah, even more awesomer. So it's available for pre-order on Right Stuff, and they're currently offering it for the low, low price of three sixty-nine. So and no dub either. Yeah, no dub either. So definitely, if uh, you like to get ripped off and you have money to just waste, uh, Aniplex is your company to waste it on. So there wait, you wait, go. Way to go, Bandai Visual. I mean, Aniplex. Aniplex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dolo, for your submission. <laughs> and um, the next one here, uh, actually, last one comes from Vent Noir. And this is actually a pretty cool little gift uh, for the Christmas holidays coming up. And this is coming from the thinkgeek.com website. And there is a Han Solo Carbonite chocolate that you can get. <laughs> it's funny. When you look at, when you look at the link here, it's Solo. Uh, Oh, oh, oh. oh my god. It says it says taste the rich chocolate bounty. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, see the... what they did there. <laughs> it's eleven ninety nine, so it's actually pretty it's actually pretty damn funny. It's straight from Tatooine's tasty treats. So <laughs> You know, for the for the. I don't think I want to have any tasty treats from Tatooine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, for all those pathetic Star Wars fans in your life, this is definitely something. One more, <laughs> one more ridiculous thing you could buy them. Oh my god! <laughs> thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission, and uh, thank you everyone for uh, posting on the Neo's listener submitted news article thread in the Mecha Talk forum, and. Um, before we go into our first uh, segment, um, I heard a truck idling in in the back here. I hear the diesel engine polluting the environment, and uh, I think it's Chris with a little bit of straight talk. We haven't had this in a while, Chris, so um, definitely uh, give us some of your your straight talking. Here's okay. Chris. This relates to a discussion of Gundam Age, so I don't not Gundam Age, but Unicorn. I don't want to get into what's being discussed so much because we're gonna be talking about that in a minute with Unicorn. But the substance of it is that um, there was a thread on Mecha Talk. 
And this is an issue that we've seen plenty of times, not just with Unicorn. And there's the thread about the Unicorn discussion, and there were debates about Episode 4. One guy uh, particularly did not like the episode, and um, uh, someone was telling him, like, he's, he's basically laying out, like, why he doesn't like the show and, and all of these reasons he doesn't like it. And someone said to him, then don't watch it. <laughs> and uh, his response was... Um, you know, don't tell me that because I have a right for the show to, uh, I have a right to demand that the show be better what it is, be better than it is, and not just take it like you all do. Better than what it is. Yeah. So, of course, I immediately responded with, stop watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, I wasn't doing it to troll the guy, mm-hmm. but to make a point because I cannot stand this nonsense that I see, not just on Mecha Talk, but in a lot of forums where people, um, go on and on and on about how much they dislike something but then when someone mentions stop watching they're like no i have to watch it because of blah 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 and i've read about this before but it it bears bringing up again now in the close of the year stop watching things you do not like you do not have to watch something you do not like i mean if you went to a burger stand and you ordered a burger that was absolutely awful, would you keep eating it? <laughs> no. Yes. yes, I would. You know, you're not bound by some commitment to eat that entire burger just because you ordered it. If you eat it and it tastes like dog crap, stop eating it. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy was talking about, you know, past Gundam shows being better. It's like, well, just because past Gundam shows were good, it doesn't guarantee that every single one is going to be exactly the same quality level, and you're not bound to have to watch everything just because you watched something in the past. And, yeah. uh, you know, demanding this and having the right, you know, there is no right to that. The, the Founding Fathers didn't say uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of entertainment. They did. If, you, mm-hmm. if you start watching something, whether it's free on TV or you purchase it, and you do not like it, you have the right to express your dislike by not buying any further installments. That's how you make it clear that you dislike it, not ranting on and on and on about what you dislike. Because if people know on a discussion forum that you dislike a show and you are always going to dislike a show and nothing is ever going to make you not dislike the show, why would anyone want to hear you complain about it day in and day out? I'm not saying that applies to this guy specifically, but I've seen it before on um, other threads. Well, I this mean, sentiment. Yeah, and, and it, I think it just comes down to the same issue that we've always talked about that the internet for all its great things has given people a voice that never had a voice before and they mm-hmm. feel that they must be heard about everything and that everything that they say must be listened to and they must have an opinion on everything that for whatever reason like you said if if you don't like something i'm not going to sit there and sub- subject myself to watching a piece of crap if i don't have to i mean we have a little bit different thing here because we have to watch we do yeah, reviews we're reviewers so, we have yeah. to watch these things but i mean there's a lot of stuff that i've sat there and i've tried to watch and um you know i don't like it and maybe other people like it and i just don't i don't I don't watch it anymore. You know, it's not it's not that big of a deal. And I definitely don't go off and sit there and say, oh, you know, this is a pile of crap and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, you can sit there and say you dislike something. When I ever sit there and I have my venom for like the certain shows that I don't like. Well, guess what? I've watched them all the way through. I'm not like this where this is only the fourth episode in this installment. You don't know what the sum of the parts are going to be. And then, you know, once again, if you don't like it, 
you know, no one's forcing you. Don't don't sit there and say you have like this unalienable right to watch entertainment. And you know, it's like you know, I I, I wish you would exercise your other rights that you are guaranteed by like the government and the Constitution instead of your stupid made up one to uh, watch all and and profess everything about all Gundam shows because that's pretty pathetic, loser. Well, I won't go that far, but you know. Well, I will. It, I know you will because you're, you're a hater, but Damn. you know it's it's the economic of the economics yeah. of consumer goods. You vote with your wallets. Yes. If X series becomes crap, stop buying X series. Yeah, well, nobody's it, forcing you. Everybody, if enough people do that, the point gets across. Yeah. Everybody online, they fancy themselves a critic, and they, I guess they, a lot of people fan, they think that their opinion is a is, is something that everybody must know. So they force themselves to watch things that they don't like, which is just dumb. You know, if if you're not if you if you're not a critic, you know, I, if you've watched the first couple episodes and you're not feeling it, walk away, walk away, and especially with an OVA that comes out six months at a time. Um, you know, with Unicorn, if you didn't like it from Jump and you gave the first two episodes a shot, I commend you on doing that. But you know, you're now a broken record. There's nothing about the show you're gonna like i don't care if the next episode is the greatest episode of any show ever you're not gonna like it because there's just you just don't like it and you made that point clear no one wants to to hear that if 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 there's parts about the show you like and parts about the show you don't like that's cool you have a reason to keep on watching but you have no investment to keep going you're just shitting on the show because you have nothing else better to do i also want to address the counter argument that always gets uh ridiculously tossed out whenever i make this this point Mm -hmm. which is what? So uh, I can only make comments in this discussion if I have something positive to say? No, that's nonsense. That's not the point of what I'm saying. Obviously, criticism is acceptable. Constructive criticism is acceptable. Mm-hmm. But if you are coming from the perspective, again, not saying that this applies just to this one, that it applies specifically to this one guy, but it's common to a lot of people with this argument if I have to watch this. Um, if you dislike a show and you're always going to dislike it, why do I want to keep hearing week after week how much you dislike it? Because you're never going to have anything remotely good to say about it. It's just going to be you every single week or month complaining and finding things to complain about because you're already coming from the perspective of not liking it. So how does that simulate any discussion? I don't. I don't get the whole. I don't get the whole uh, mindset of okay. I'm sitting here watching the show. I don't like the show. Okay, maybe the first or second episode you respond on a forum that you don't like the show. But then every week it seems like you're going. You're you're watching. You're wa- continuing to watch the episode, and then you continually go on a, about what you don't like. That I mean, it just seems like wasted energy to me. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But then you know, just to subject yourself, just to sit there and sit on a forum, and so people can be shocked or what or whatever you're trying to achieve by doing this just seems pretty asinine to me and 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 it's um, become so stale and predictable because yeah i can go into like x thread and uh, you know if it's already been like now the next episode has come out i see the name of x person it's like oh gee let me guess x person is going to complain about this week's episode and then i read oh look they're complaining about this week's episode what a surprise wash rinse repeat and and then you then you do a you do a search on their on their last 10 posts and it's like the last last 10 weeks they've been talking about x episode and or you know and, and it's our x show and it's just like ugh, it, it yeah it's it's pretty tiresome so um you know uh, bring, bring on the internet caps america <laughs> lower them down so these bastards can't be on there too much so yeah so 
Yeah, I, I just want to conclude in this rant that uh, unless you are a, a reviewer, like the people at MHQ or us here on a podcast, don't say that you have to watch something. You do not have to watch anything. No one is holding a gun to your head and forcing you to watch it. And if you hate whatever, say, the current Gundam or Macross thing is, you don't have to say, oh, but I watched all the other ones. Even if you watch 10,000 episodes of Gundam, if a current show is garbage, don't watch it. You're not being forced to. There is but, no obligation yeah. just because you've watched certain things in the past. But I am. The CIA makes me. <laughs> I'm certain that's the case. That's, <laughs> so, all right. That's it for this uh, straight talk. All right. Thank you for the straight talk, Chris. Uh, anything else? Uh, any any uh, Anything else before we get into our first segment, the fourth episode of Gundam Unicorn? No, I'm ready. So high. <laughs> all right. There you go. Good cool. advice. Thanks. Uh, all right. Well. Um, Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Sobro. And we will be back with our first segment. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Gundam you? I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Check it out, Gundam Nation. One of our longtime listeners, Eric Keith, has a new project on the horizon that he needs your help on. On the call-in show, I at the end, I plugged a webcomic I'm going to be working on, or I actually am working on now, where I'm the writer, and a gentleman named uh, Michael is going to be the, the artist. Well, in this webcomic, it is going to be based on the Dreamcast Gundam game called 0079 Side Story Rise from the Ashes. If you've never heard of it before, it was a really awesome first-person Gundam simulator where you played a, a member of the MS Team White Dingoes in Australia near where the uh, initial colony that Xeon dropped had landed and where Xeon, of course, have took, taken over. And you lead a small ragtag team of, of MS pilots and you fight against Dom, Zaku's, a goaf shows up and uh, at the end you fight some ridiculously overpowered Xeon tank called the Rhino, which was designed before the thing from Igloo, MS Igloo. The comic's gonna be based on that game, and what I'm gonna be doing is getting a group of people together that are fans of what the comic is about, and stick them in the background, and have them be, you know, not main characters, like, you may not even have a speaking part, but what I wanna do is I wanna take you guys from the Facebook group, and from Mecha Talk, and if you're interested, I'll have my email address uh, down below. Send me a, a headshot of yourself, and when we start working on the comic and releasing it in about a year, and you just might actually see yourself in the background. You heard right. If you'd like to be a character in the background of this new manga project, definitely head on over to youtube.com slash channel 609. That's literally channel S-I-X-O-N-I-N-E and view the entire Rise from the Ashes video where Eric explains the whole concept. If you want to reach him by email, send him a message to erictkeith at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see the artwork of the um, artist involved, Mike Fontecchio, visit his DeviantArt account at mr-hayami, H-A-Y-A-M-I, dot deviantart.com. We wish Eric and Mike the best of luck with this project, and we can't wait to see how it turns out. Thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys later on. Bye.
I can't believe Gavin Morphe gave Gears of War a 3 and 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop to Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Gun damn these glasses, son! Yes, sir! I gun damn thee! segment is going to be a review of episode four of Gundam Unicorn. Um, you know, and just uh, it's just like uh, the previous three episodes, we're just going to do a little bit about the story and then go into our thoughts about this one. This one is called, uh, this is entitled, At the Bottom of the Gravity Well. And we see uh, opening attack, it's a car, uh, some of the Xeon Remnant forces, uh, we see some mobile suit porn going on. Um, then we see that Boniker's still with the, what is it, the Gariasis? Garn Sierras. Garn Sierras. And uh, he's still with them. And we, we see that in the, after the events of Episode 3. Uh, later on, we see that Riddy took uh, Audrey to his father's home. And he's given some revelations about uh, his family and their uh, involvement in Laplace's blocks. Laplace's box. Uh, Welcome to La the club. Block. Laplace's Lego blocks. <laughs> God. Those duplos um, are popping off. And then for, uh, in addition to the mobile suit porn in this episode, we also get some uh, character porn with the, the emergence of Bright Noah. And we see him on board the Rock High Loom. And then he's called over by Rady's dad to uh, speak with him about some things. And we see that Rady's going to be taking on the uh, Rock High Loom for, to look for the Garciaris. And uh, later on, we see that the Xeon Remnant forces are now assaulting uh, the home base of Koa Rocky, uh, the Torrington base. Uh, with actually, mysterious town next to it. With mysterious town next to it. That's what, this is what, uh, this is 0096. So in 13 years, a, a huge... Uh, metropolitan area grew up very quickly. <laughs> Next one was just barren wasteland, and unfortunately, uh, there's a battle there, and we see more mobile suit porn go on, and we see a lot of um, rambling from uh, Banana when he shows up in the unicorn, and we see a lot of rambling from the Shamlos pilot. 
<laughs> who uh, is talking complete nonsense, and it's a battle of nonsense coming out of both of their mouths. Uh, then we have Riddy actually being a straight guy saying, you got to kill this bitch. And uh, Banana's still spewing out stuff, and at the last minute, uh, Riddy takes the beam magnum from the unicorn and then shoots old girl in the blows her away and at the end he, he, he pulled a wolf yeah he pulled a wolf <laughs> he pulled a wolf that's right he pulled a wolf and um, then at the last minute the, the beep 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 happens in the cockpit and you look up and there's a black unicorn oh my god the end credits and um, so Chris your thoughts on episode 4 at the bottom of the gravity well the latest offering of Gundam Unicorn I have to say compared to the to the previous episodes it is a bit disappointing and as I've said at the outset of watching Unicorn having not read the novels I can only judge it from how it works as an anime and not as an adaptation because I have no base of comparison but even then just as an anime you can tell that some things went wrong in this episode and then if you go and read how it changes things around from how it was in the books you can see that there were some changes made for the worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest ones being that the main action in the books takes place in Dakar, not at Torrington. So they flipped it around. And, you know, I kind of figured to myself, why would you not do Dakar? Because, number one, Dakar has a, a very big piece of um, gun history in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's and very it's the seat of the government. Yeah, it's, it's the, the seat, seat of the government. And presumably a much more populated area than this mysterious Torrington town that popped up out of nowhere next to the base. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would think it's just much more dramatic if the main action was at Dakar, and that's what I was expecting. And it would make more sense that if you're going to attack the government, why not attack the seat of government? I mean... Well, they did, but, I mean, as a very quick hit and run, as a distraction. That's what I'm saying, though. I mean, and we're given no... This isn't... Well, we do. Yeah, that's true. They switch it up. So. Also, um, there's the character of Lonnie, who, at least the way she's presented in the anime, is probably like just one of the most vile, unsympathetic bitches I've ever seen in Gundam. <laughs> and I don't say bitches lightly. Damn. <laughs> I mean, this, this character is so thoroughly unlikable. Not a shred of sympathy in her. I mean, she is a completely unrepentant mass murderer because there's no other way to describe her i mean she goes into dakar which yes is the capital of the federation that she hates but it's also full of civilians and you Mm -hmm. saw how she blew things away there and then later in the attack on torrington while all of the other zeon remnants in their antique mobile suits they at least are sticking to military targets at the base Mm -hmm. she deliberately goes into the city and is blowing away as many innocent civilians as she can, giving us uh, a classic now instance of mother and child. Yeah. Oh yeah. Going going down the fire escape. That's oh yeah. A new one. Shout out! Shout out to mother and child. <laughs> yes. It's been a oh. while since we had mother and child in Gundam, but yes, indeed. Uh, it was it was full. Provides. It was and fully this facilitated. Guy, this guy Kirk's who kind of like is watching out for her, and and obviously they care for each other. He keeps telling her, "Get away from the city." Don't yeah. go to the city. She's like, bah, 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 Federation. Wah, 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 wah. And then when she's fighting Benajer, fighting is, is a uh, it's a relative term because he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're babbling at each other, you know, she's saying, children are, are bound to the wishes of their parents. And wah, wah, wah. 
That is just the biggest nonsense I have ever heard from any Gundam babbler. That is a real bullshit way to try to justify mass murder. Like, I have to do this because my parents were killed and I hate the Federation and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, yeah, even if that psychomu system went kind of nuts because it seemed that it amplified the hate, we see from everything that she says outside of the cockpit that... All of the stuff that she does in the cockpit of the Shamblo is all stuff that she's willingly doing. Yeah, yeah. There is no, there is no ambiguity there. She is just completely, irredeemably murderous and massacring innocent, innocent uh, civilians. And there's been a lot of discussion, people criticizing that at the end when Riddy kills her because at the very last second she turned the re- the reflector bits back on herself. Mm-hmm. But here's the issue with that. Number one, that happened in a split second thing he can't react that quickly to that when he's rushing in to make a kill number two he's not a new type he doesn't know that there's new type nonsense going on between her and benajer number three he's a trained soldier yes a soldier sees a threat on a battlefield that is killing innocent civilians he is going to move in and eliminate that threat no questions asked as he should he assessed the situation correctly and he was trying to get that through to benajer but uh, (laughs) yeah she is a mass murderer and i don't understand why benajer is trying to save her because she's nuts and she's killing so many people she deserves no sympathy and no mercy i am so glad that riddy killed her because that's exactly what should have happened she deserved to die for what she did Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was so cold-blooded that it was just, you know. And Benajer saying, like, oh, she's been taken over by the system. That's not how she really is. And if you keep doing this, you're going to lose your heart and your humanity. How the hell do you know that? You do not know this, bitch. You said, like, <laughs> created like, two lines of dialogue with her. And you, you walked by her on, on the uh, on the stairwell. by her on the stairs, and she said, like, one thing to you. How do you know what she's really like? Clearly, she is a murderous bitch. That is how she is like. Well, we saw, we saw what she was like when they're speaking with uh, Full Frontal. And, and she yeah. was, like, adamant about attacking them, you know, attacking the Federation and, and getting this stuff done. So it's like, we know what she's like. I mean, okay, maybe he didn't see her, uh, you know, in, during that meeting. But, you know, for all your new typey stuff, you should be able to feel that she's ready to go. And, and she's all about business, about taking people down. So Yeah. Plus, uh, what bothers me that with Benajer's actions in this episode is he can't take the he can't make the hard choices that are necessary in yeah. battle a perfect comparison go back to the end of zeta when camille is fighting uh rosamia and she's in the psycho mark ii mm-hmm. you know he likes rosamia he knows that she's been bonkerfied by the titans and is completely nuts and it's not <laughs> of her own doing and her own choice but if she keeps going she's gonna kill everyone on the argama so mm-hmm. as much as he doesn't want to do it and you see him agonizing over it. He's fighting her. He makes the hard choice. He kills her because he has to. Yeah. She's a rabid dog that needs to be put down. And Lonnie is a rabid dog that needs to be put down. But at the end, Benajer just couldn't man up and, and do it. And what bothers me is, you know, up to now, he's had no problem killing people when necessary. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. like he's, he's trying to have it both ways of, you know, he's interfering in battles and participating and, and messing things up. Yeah. But he doesn't want to make the hard choices of killing people. If you're going to fight in a war and mm-hmm. you're going to make that choice proactively to fight in a war, you have to kill people. Yeah, that's true. That's although the way war is. Although allow me, although it pains me to do this, allow me to play devil's advocate for a moment. Um, 
Jones. When it comes to Benajer, um, he had just he'd been fresh off of killing that one uh Zeon soldier that he met and knew. So I still think he was might might have been reeling a little bit from the impact of that uh, at by, the time. By the point of by the point of when uh this battle happens, it's weeks after that. He should have gotten over it. But but in comparison to Camille, Camille had you know fought over almost a good year, and you know he'd become you we'd seen his development throughout the the, the course of Zeta. While Benajer, he's still relatively new to this. He's only been in a few skirmishes in comparison to Camille. So he's still got that naivete that still bothers the hell out of me and, and well, all of us. But even uh, then, uh, Amaro uh, and Uso, they got they got used to killing people yeah. way faster, like very early on in their respective and, shows. And, and, yeah. and let's, let's put it this way, too, with uh, Banana. He's sitting there talking about how you need to protect people, but yet he's wanting to save this one girl who's willingly killing tens and thousands or hundreds of thousands of people for no reason in that base. I mean, I don't care what you just went through weeks before. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting there saying that you want to protect people and you're seeing something going on where innocent people are getting murdered for no reason, mm -hmm. you're telling me that you that that it just, you're that's not going to click in and your you head. have the power to stop it and you have the power to stop it i mean you know in this episode the one thing that i did get from it is i got mad respect for riddy because at that point as weak as everything he's he's been kind of thinking himself being and his father at the beginning of this episode kind of you know uh, talking down to him and stuff like that the guy really manned up in this thing because he was the one he assessed the situation he saw what was going on he he actually gave banana a, a, a chance to try to get that bitch to stop it didn't work and then he knew what you had to do there was no ifs ands or buts about it and he did not try to disable the shambolo he took it out where it needed to be taken out and even and, though yes at the very last second she stopped and turned those bits back on herself it's a little too little too late yeah well let, let me let me throw this out at y'all what about the new type card i'm gonna throw it out on the table when 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 uh bon Benajer met her that for that brief moment, as we've seen in other Gundam series, these you know new types seem to have an effect on each other, and um it makes me wonder if he was caught up in that new type vortex when um you know when he was trying to stop her from doing that, and he did get through to her for a second as Paul. I, don't uh, buy it. And, and, I mean I I, 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 I I'm just I'm throwing it out there because I know other people will yeah. say something about I that. I don't buy it because in all of the past instances where that's happened, mm -hmm. there's been more substantial contact. Yeah. Exactly. I mean this was literally nothing more than passing somebody in the hallway <laughs> pretty much yeah. a chance encounter like I mean, you see someone in school and you're like hey man what's up hey see you later yeah because if because if you look if you look at all of the previous examples they've met on the battlefield they felt they they felt each other in their new type thing and then they actually met each other and interacted with each other in in real life i mean you know it's it's you know, like like Chris said, when it came to Camille and and Rosamia, I mean, he he knew this girl, he he knew everything about her and stuff like that, and even he understood as much as it pained him to do it that there was no other way. I mean, there's mm -hmm. the, and there that you you know, am I going to put you know, am I going to put the life of her against all these people that are that are possibly going to get killed by her? And it's like, okay, maybe she stops for a second. But how do I know she's not going to go bat batshit again? I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, and that's the same exact thing when it, you know, when it comes to okay, yo, you know, she turned the the bits on her at the last moment. Great, maybe she did had a a moment of clar of clarity. But what happens when something else uh, signals something on her or triggers something, and then she starts going on a killing rampage again? No, 
you know, and when, when even if Benajer had some kind of like touching new type moment with her, where he understood her, he should have understood that she's a murderous psycho. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that she is, at least in the anime. There is nothing more to her than wanting to kill as many people as she can. That's, she's just a one-note psychopath. Because in no way during the anime is it shown that she's doing this against her will or something like that. She's proudly piloting the Shamblo, and she's proudly wanting to go and commit these acts of terrorism and stuff against the Federation and its citizens. So it's, it's not one of these things where she's controlled for whatever reason with uh you know some type of drug she needs or something like that it's yeah. it, it it you know that, that all that stuff goes out goes out the window i mean we're just going by what we're seeing and as we're seeing it there was nothing showing that you know so there's no sympathy i have more things to say beyond the psycho but i've already talked enough so maybe you guys should throw out some other stuff and let's let's move on from this uh this psychopath soul bro you're on oh i'm on oh man thank you thank you mr king <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll just add to what Chris said with uh, some some pros and cons. More cons than pros, of course. But I'll start off with the cons. Um, when I when I watched this episode, I got I got the deja vu feeling. Uh, it felt like I was watching a uh, Gundam F91. And although although Gundam F91 was better than this, of mother and child, mother and child, uh, a kind of a choppy adaptation at best. Where to me, it took like the greatest hits of the novel and tried to try to adapt it for screen and cut out all the um the the, the bits and pieces that would have made the story make more sense and uh, the character connections be stronger between, say, for instance, um the main antagonist and Benajer, um, you know, whatever whatever connection they had in the novel was probably a lot stronger than it was presented on screen. And uh, I, I think it, it does this episode a great disservice. On top of that, um, the adaptation of the fact that the, 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 the female, uh, what's her name again? I, I apologize. Lonnie. Lonnie, Lonnie. thank you. Um, where she was not alone in her uh, endeavor when she was inside of the... Uh, the 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 mobile armor she was there with with the shamblo she was there with her family and members of her family anyway and they were pretty much the main antagonist she really had a change of heart somewhere along the way in the novel and the anime missed out on that chance of actually presenting that forward which would have made her a far more likable character if uh that was if that was uh presented in the way it was in the novel and that's a shame um even if the episode was like 10 to 15 minutes longer they could have you know spent the time adapting the story properly instead of doing it in the way they did i think that was a uh, pretty poor the character development was definitely lacking uh i i gotta say especially when it came to uh Benajer. uh there there was a few moments like when he was in the desert with the captain and you know they had the heart to heart and they were talking the captain was talking about the fact that he lost his family due to uh, uh federation soldiers uh letting well, he, off didn't, he didn't talk about that it was oh, uh, one of his was, lackeys who told yeah. Benajer yeah. that earlier earlier yeah, yeah, Benajer was, was remembering it the, the, the dude with the perm blast yeah. <laughs> blast um yeah he was talking to Benajer so Benajer kind of knew where the, the captain was coming from uh at that point and that was pretty cool but you know uh, it's just I, I didn't I didn't get how the Benajer went from being that black sheep that was with them you know being on the threat of being killed by these crew members to being uh such a good guy and being a member of the team you know within a small amount of time we never really got that transition all that well in this episode so that was missing too um i couldn't stand when benazir was beating down the captain although he had good reason to i just don't think he could take that guy in a fight <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially when we see like that this guy picks Benadryl up like a toy, yeah. throws him up against the wall, and the wall cr- like this this little like storage container crumbles. Yeah, <laughs> from Benadryl being slammed into it. So just like he was, he was, he was decorating the place well, with Benadryl. I, I th- the, the way the, the thing that I got out of that is, I think that's where the captain finally realized this whole thing with these Zeon remnants. Yeah, was they're 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 crazy. Like he's, oh, yeah. I think he's finally getting to the point where he's like, okay, um, you know, doing this just isn't making sense anymore. He was I, trying I, to, he was trying to like justify it, yeah, to himself, completely counter to everything he said before, which is why Banaja rightly called him out on that, and also mm-hmm. why his own crew members did nothing, nothing. to stop Banaja because they knew that their captain was talking bullshit. Yeah, I was behind Banaja the whole way during that fight. I just thought that Banaja would get his ass kicked. And then the captain well, would, not, would, not, would, not, <laughs> not if he's not fighting back. I guess he, yeah. I guess he wasn't trying too hard because he realized, yeah. like, yeah, this stupid kid has a point. And, yeah. you know, um, for all of the issues that happened this episode, I do like the scenes with Zinnerman because he's just a really cool guy and he really has not gotten much screen time up to now. I think, like, aside from the first episode, this is the most screen time he's had. Yeah, I, I, and, and I, I, find, I find it funny, like you know, he is he is questioning all the the craziness that the Zeon remnants are doing on Earth, and I find it funny that the the one time they talk to Full Frontal, he does the whole Pontius Pilate when it comes to like, <laughs> you know, the girl's like, oh, can we go down there and and you know, can we go and uh, participate in the attack? And he's like, well, I command the space forces, um, so I don't have any jurisdiction over you guys on Earth, so you do what you want. So, <laughs> you know, something about that scene i don't know why but the, the whole time they're having that conversation and angelo is standing off to the side he's he looks pissed. like so pissed like he's about to explode about something. oh yeah oh like, yeah what the hell is this little bitch's problem he's a dick rider that's all i know <laughs> i know but it's like what is he all pissy about because he looks like he's ready to explode well Which because I can imagine if uh, Benadryl was in the room and he's like what the fuck is that guy doing there yeah but if zinnerman was actually questioning his um his his uh, full frontal's uh, commands, and that's Which I, I guess it's just not yeah. not acceptable for uh, for Angelo because he he just yeah. sucks up to full frontal so much and worships him. Yeah, you look you look at full frontal wrong, and Angelo Angelo will shank you. So <laughs> into the captain's perfect battlefield. Where <laughs> he's, he's all over full frontal's nuts. It's it's just. <laughs> It's just how it is. I look forward to his uh, demise, which I hope will happen real soon. But we'll see. I, uh, my, I guess my last uh, my last con here is uh, when it comes to uh, Benazir's ideals. I, I do agree with him with the fact that the cycle of violence will continue to perpetuate if people keep doing what they're doing. And he well, was trying to bring that. Everybody agrees on that. Yeah, Every one of those damn people agree yeah, that. But he took I it mean... to the point. He took it to the point of ridiculousness. <laughs> <laughs> when when but when really you, don't you know force doesn't solve anything? Yeah, but I mean, uh, granted, uh, but uh, 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 he has to also realize, and this is a hard lesson for him. Hopefully, he learns because I, I know part of the a part of this episode probably is going to set up a little bit of antagonism between him and Riddy because yeah, of the fact that yeah. <laughs> And I think there's a whole. You think at the ending when uh, he's got the <laughs> rifle sh- uh, right at the uh, unicorn's head, oh and yeah, telling him to get out because we're confiscating the suit. Yeah, <laughs> great deduction there. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying though, I'm just it's setting that up, and uh, 
and they're going to have opposing views um, throughout the rest of the series, I'm certain. But um, I just I just think that, you know, he should have had a come to Jesus moment when he realized this girl was not stepping down. He had to, he had that brief moment where she was she was actually, you know, she opened up the cockpit and everything was, you know, was going well. Again. And then she and went nuts again and she closed that cockpit and he should have known right then and there that there's no there's no coming back from this. It's over. The, here's the, the thing, thing that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, though, here's what really bothers me about this episode, because right? mm-hmm. I watched this episode the second time and, and that segment especially. OK, he's feeling all this new typey stuff with her. But in the past, we've seen where the new types, when people get killed on on in masses like that, it bothers them. Yeah. And we get none of that effect on him. He's sitting in a psychom unit, and the fact that he's being so wishy-washy about taking this girl out because it doesn't seem like he's feeling all the pain and suffering that all these people are experiencing right below him. And I thought that that, I don't know if that's intentional, if it's something they forgot, but I mean, we've seen, you know, what was it, Armuro when, uh, when the solar ray hit and he felt, what was it, miles away, he felt the whole fleet get destroyed and he about, you know, about got completely sick and, you know, and, and all this stuff. And we've seen it many a times and I'm just sitting here and it's like, okay, I can understand if this is his first battle. Maybe you get a little wishy-washy, but like Chris stated, this guy's, he's capped a few people. And the, <laughs> and, and the, and the fact of the, 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 the new type of feelings are so strong for somebody that you have no, you know, you have nothing in, you know, you have no basis in. And the fact that all these people are getting killed below you and you're not feeling it, it just seems like something's either missed or, or he's messed up or something. I don't know. I, I, it, I just find that a little crazy to me it, because after after the first point, maybe after the first few minutes, you can have this thing. I can't believe she's doing this. But as you're sitting there and, uh, you know, as we understand new types, they're going to feel this stuff if they're new types or not. There had to have been new types within that city. I mean, um, you know, especially within that base. And you're, you're going to I mean, come on, really? You're not going to start feeling this. And, and after a while, you get enraged seeing this happening. So. Yeah. It's it's, just, it's it's just really poorly done. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me like that in this whole episode, the Benajer didn't take anything to heart of what the Guza had told him in the previous episode of you know calling him out on that Camille nonsense of you know fighting with him saying oh but the million I'm not involved don't tell me what to do of you know he made the point like look if you're stepping in a battlefield and you're taking all of these actions and some people live because of things you do but also some people die because of what you do you have to take responsibility for what you do yeah those are very good points that he made and I think very well illustrated by the fact that he sacrificed himself to help Benajer but it looks like Benajer didn't learn anything from that yeah and he's and he's almost disgracing Dacuza's memory by not you know, following what he told them. I mean, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, it, for, for a guy that's gone through a lot already, he's really regressed. He really regressed in this episode to the fact of it, it's, it's almost kind of pathetic. And it, it, it just, it really took it from it. And, you know, the, the thing that really bothered me was, you know, all the, you're sitting there up until that point saying you don't want to see people die and you want the cycle of violence to die or to end and all this stuff. Yeah. But then you have no problem sitting there unwillingly to stop somebody who's just mass murdering people. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's move on from Benajer because oh, yeah. there's more things going on in this episode. True, true. Um, I'll just I'll wrap up uh, my cons here. Um, uh, it, I, that, that whole conflict between uh, Lonnie and, and Benajer really, it seemed like a 
poor retread of uh, main pilot versus tragic female pilot, which we've seen in many different animes, especially mecha related. And done better. And And done better. uh, Four and Camille. Um, uh, Even even, uh, Geki Ganger and Nadesco did it well with... uh, <laughs> Aquamarine. Um, when they spoofed it in uh in and it's been done in Super Robot anime as well and uh done so much better and this was just uninspired. I honestly wish they went the the, the route the book went because it was far more dramatic from, from just being told what happened in the book. I I really want to read it. Uh, other than that, oh uh, oh and I gotta I gotta add that this episode I never seen so much MSV porn in my life. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> until until this episode and it was cool it was a big ass commercial um which i w- i guess i would expect it to be but more more often than not this episode takes the cake when it I comes i think bandai was definitely focusing more on the ms porn than you know it's like the writing man let me yeah. tell you something it's and- sort of like it's like a where's waldo of how many obscure mobile suits can you spot <laughs> i mean it, when when, when- when you start off the episode and you see the elephant mobile suit mm-hmm. and it's getting some, it's like, okay, maybe after the surprise they're going to get maybe one or two suits. But the fact that you're showing it where the, these uh, these first and second generation suits are like completely nerfing, uh, you know, fifth and sixth generation suits. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Here's the uh, first of all the the Juagu, the hideous elephant. The fact that that thing has been given life in animation is to me unforgivable. That thing is just so hideously ugly. It's an aquatic suit, right? Yes. Yeah, that is amazing. Then you got uh, another one of the ugly California Four getting animated, the Zogok, mm-hmm. which oh. is like this weird thing with no head that does arm punches. Yeah. Wow. You got like a zillion MSV suits jumping out. All of these like Zaku cannons and Zaku tanks and uh, goofs. Domes. Um, the the Dwaj, Dome yeah. Tropins. I mean, it's like every single like obscure old mobile suit you could think of of everything. You want to know how obscure it gets? Oh. Uh, there's a blink and you miss it cameo of the Regina, which is the anti-mobile suit mortar thing from MS Igloo 2. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that thing didn't work so well in 0079. Why the hell would you keep that crap around in 0096? Oh, man, it's like it's like keeping the, uh, the Yugo around. <laughs> you know, and I can understand that, you know, yes, the Xeon had the Elena surprise on their side, mm-hmm. but the Federation side does not get a single kill in until the Beerlant custom comes out. <laughs> yeah. Now this thing at least it comes out it starts raping everything. Yes, yes it does. Yeah, it's one it's like one one extreme to the other because you're sitting there and you're like, okay, the element of surprise, I get that. But then it just made it look like the Federation, they're so inept. And you see basically suits just yeah. standing there waiting to get killed, basically, like doing nothing. Like they're just literally standing there, some of these suits. And yeah, they're not in such great suits themselves because they're in GM2s and GM3s. But at least you saw at the opening in the Battle of Dakar, they were doing some teamwork there, and yeah. those guys got a couple of kills in. But then yeah. again, I figure since Dakar is the capital, they probably have better pilots there than some backwater base like Torrington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but still, um, nobody gets a kill until that Beerland custom comes out. And then after the Beerland custom, Nobody on the ground still gets any kills until the Jestas show up from the Rock High Lum mm-hmm. and start shooting things up from above. Oh, oh my God! I meant to ask you guys a question. Um, th- there's a scene in this episode where they show um 
uh, some Xeon uh, mecha uh, launching from a, uh, I guess, a, a Pegasus class uh, ship or, or, or more so. Uh, yes. Uh, is that the Argama? No. Okay, because the Argama was the Argama was like the Argama. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it doesn't I, look I, anything at all like it. It's the Gray Phantom. It's the, oh, oh, it's the Gray Phantom. Get out! Yeah. Oh wow, that's no, what? that's not at all the Argama. Okay. Because the Argama has flat decks. Yeah. It doesn't have like the legs like a Pegasus class does. That's right. That's right. Holy, sh- but yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, the Pegasus class it's enclosed all the way. Okay. Yeah, the it decks has those are enclosed. enclosed. Those enclosed decks that open up. Mm-hmm. No, that, was, that was the great phantom. That was a great phantom. Yeah, it just looked a little warped to me, so I, I wasn't one hundred percent sure. If you but, looked yeah. at it and you looked at the line art of the great phantom, you'd see it lines up. Wow. Uh, exactly, but it's also been confirmed in the script that it's the great phantom. That's really cool that they would actually you know, have that that little brief moment in there. Um, but yeah, that was my question there. But uh, I, I I guess I should point out uh, some of my pros. Um, the animation, of well, course. I wasn't done bitching yet. Oh, wait, well, go ahead and bitch. Continue. <laughs> I'm never although. Frankly, I'm never done bitching, so <laughs> you should be aware of that. But anyway, it's like these Federation pilots, good God, do they suck. They don't get <laughs> any kills in yeah. at all against inferior suits from the one-year war. Mm-hmm. And here's what I want to know. Uh, this has been a continuing question, but especially now that it's so long after the one-year war. How the hell do all of these Xeon guys who are hiding from the Federation in caves and whatever and out in the desert maintain all of these mobile suits to perfect fighting capability and continue to modify them on almost 20 years after the one-year war. I, that I don't get, yeah. I really don't get that. Or the fact that they're even, um, there's so many of them, of these remnants still around. Yeah, the I fact mean, that there's like a bunch of fat uncles, I was like, how the hell do you hide something as big as a fat uncle from the Federation? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. You know, where do you hide all of these mobile suits? I mean, there's some crazy shit like, you know, this one guy had a goof inside of a castle, which yeah. begs the question, how the hell did he even get it in there? But that's, <laughs> that's not really important. You know, or guys hiding marine mobile suits in the water. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, hiding inside of a crash Pegasus-class ship, which makes me wonder, uh, why wouldn't the Federation retrieve the wreckage of an advanced... Uh- battleship that crashed like we don't know when it crashed it obviously had to be after 0083 because the great phantom was at the naval review and obviously survived right but you would think the federation would want to retrieve one of its advanced carriers just so that nobody can get access to that technology yeah and and use it as exactly what it was being used for that yeah i didn't get that either i mean that... <laughs> um let's see what, what else uh yeah also where do they get the resources to keep customizing these suits because one of these suits <laughs> that we see is is uh, a variant of the Efreet, which is cool to see because I love the Efreet. It's such an underrated suit, and it's cool to see it in uh, animation finally. But number one, it's pink. Mm-hmm. You know, why couldn't you make it like blue, like the standard Efreet, or black, like the one from the 081 game, or mm-hmm. something else that's not pink? Yeah. But two, it's got all these like crazy, like ninja heat darts. <laughs> Like, where do you get these things? And you can't just say, like, oh, it's Anaheim. Why would Anaheim care about a bunch of losers who are hiding on Earth? They only care about supplying the people in space who have money and, and resources and whatnot. Yeah, just influencing the wars themselves. You know, that's that's their, that's their main goal in order to stay in business. So Yeah, yeah. not all these chumps who have been hiding out, like, out in the boonies in BFE for, for two decades. 
and the, and, the, and the fact that they they make the point that it sounds like these guys that are hiding out and the, and they've had no contact with any of the other uh you know their their comrades when it comes to this stuff because you know when they're when they're receiving this message it's like carried on like the old principality codes and you know it, it, i don't know it just it just seems really bizarre to me that it would be going on but yeah Why i would, you I would just sit around for nearly 20 years like still wearing a zeon uniform it's like just give up go do something and, else and and, <laughs> go and, get and, laid. The, and the, and the other thing is is the the titans were that ineffective it's like we were given we're given the impression that the titans were so draconian and, and going well, through and, the thing about the titans is they didn't care about earth the titans yeah hardly that's true everything they did was oppressing space colonies yeah that is true that plus is true. also there is the and this is a valid point some people make you know if your whole existence is is justified by hunting down all of these rebels and remnants you kind of don't want to hunt them too well yeah, that's true. Because you want. Because then, if you get rid of them, what there's no do? reason for your bureaucracy to exist anymore, and the power that you've accumulated. So mm-hmm. you could very well make the argument that you know it benefits the Federation and the Titans to let these guys just kind of hide it, because then they can justify like all of these defense measures and all of these different things they do and going into colonies and harassing people. Because as long as that enemy is there, then you can justify doing all these things. Yeah, that's true. So let them slide. Ugh, but yeah, it was. It was ridiculous, though. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the fact that they make the federal, you know, okay, yeah, the federation's got issues and stuff and all this, but it's like to make them look so inept, especially mm-hmm. after the first attacks. It's like, you know, you would think. I don't even think the, Igloo made them look this inept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you would think after the attack on Dakar, you would be on alert. That you know, every be a little base bit- around the world would be on alert, even backwaters. Yeah. So it and you know, let's be honest, these guys are trained. They've been probably receiving training on a constant basis. How much training are the uh the Xeon guys doing? It's not like they can go out and, you know, do this stuff out in the open all the time. <laughs> And with their limited resources, who knows? But oh, yeah, yeah. especially as some of these guys are old farts who maybe were young in the one year war, but now in their late 30s or in their 40s now, you know, how sharp are these guys going to be? Yeah, <laughs> not very. <laughs> but apparently they are. Yeah, apparently they're, they're still cold killers. <laughs> they, they wiped the floor with the Federation until the beer lance showed up. Mm-hmm. With old suits that are that are ripping through a much a uh, much newer generation ones. I, yeah, the so, math the math didn't add up. Despite the dumbness of some of these things we've been talking about, man, it was cool to see all these suits and yes, nice animation. <laughs> I can't I, I lie. Mean, I have to concede that point at the end of it. it's like for all the stupidity, it looks so damn cool. Hey, oh, we it can, does. We could break down the logistics all day, but it'll stop it from being awesome. <laughs> you know what? It validates like it kind of invalidates like all of the complaining we're doing, but it's like, but yeah, it does look cool. It was, yeah. Except for the except for the elephant. That's the only one. I saw. Yeah, the, oh. the Juag is that's that's just a sin. Yeah, you can and just you, you can keep that one. Uh, can't, can't believe Force, we got to get mentioned to the the Eternal Captain showing up. Yes, indeed. I, that was one of my pros, actually. Um, Bright Noah being there, although he wasn't um, used a whole lot. Um, I did enjoy at least the scene between him and Riddy, where he was just giving Riddy the straight dope when Riddy it, came it, in. It was it was like seeing the old Bright come back again. Yes, yes, it like, was. Hey, listen, you punk. <laughs> Stop thinking you're so damn special. It's like that that speech could have been carbon copy from something he said to Amaro or Camille. Yeah. It but it be, worked. It it did. It set him straight. He was right. Right said, just come back alive. 
And it's like, and I'll treat well, you like a pilot. Not only that, but uh, the fact that he calls um, Brady's dad out on his BS. He's like, you yeah. want to take the Rockheim loon out for personal reasons? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to give it to Brady's dad. He's like, well, as a captain of Londo Bell, you think you'd want to, you know, suppress all this? <laughs> yeah, Bryce, like, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a freaking, I'm just one guy. And 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 Brady's dad's like, yeah, but you kept commanding all these motherships with Gundam type suits, so of course you have this reputation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, of course, uh, there's that little nod, maybe to the eternal question. Seeing that picture of Amaro in in Bright's office, mm-hmm. that really looks at the picture of Amaro right before he got his ass kicked by Shar. Yeah, Amaro in his little like <laughs> pimp eighties like. Uh, <laughs> suit with the loose tie yes indeed looking like so, a... so yeah it's like maybe that's your little hint like yeah that bastard's dead he's gone <laughs> dead and gone he ain't coming back <laughs> at best mia but um yeah it was character moments like that that um that i could take from this episode that i did enjoy the other the other scene besides bright and ritty was uh minerva at the diner the talking old dude. with the yeah, old that dude that was a good scene if i had to say that was probably my favorite scene the whole episode um especially at the very end where she was being um, uh, I guess she was uh, the, the 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 suits came to pick her up and uh, she revealed herself officially as a uh, Minerva Zabi. So yeah, kind of indicating a... like she's done hiding. You know, yeah. she's gonna be out in the open now and try to stop things and bring a conclusion to things. And she's not gonna be sticking around the way she was. <laughs> Absolutely. And that dude's like, <laughs> the reaction on that old man's face is like, <sighs> oh man. And the tip that she left, awesome. Yeah. Like freaking Mad Bills. <laughs> Well, that guy, just, that guy was probably like, "Just don't mess up my place." No I doubt. Open in the morning. <laughs> this is how I make my living. <laughs> but uh, I, I, other than those things, the animation was, of course, gorgeous. And um, that was my thoughts on this. Ep- uh, those are my the, the the pros and cons I have for this episode. Uh, I'll pass it back to you, Neo. Well, as good as all the character little things like that are, um, one of the issues that I have, the biggest issue is, it does seem like the. Uh, story doesn't really progress mm. and I think that that you know compared to the other three episodes where it seemed like we got a lot done and we can see um, you can see that something is going on it seemed like in this one it just kind of uh, kind of doted along and and I, I didn't and it, it seemed like a lot went on but then nothing really advanced when it, it came didn't add up anything. to anything because yeah. the whole point of this episode was we got to go to Torrington to break the next seal on the Laplace thing, and then by the end of the episode, that hasn't even happened. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, now there's the further distraction of the Banshee shows up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And of course, we get, you know, I guess we forgot, so this is, no one said this at this point, we see the whole big reveal of Marita actually being Blue 12, and she gets the whole uh, shock of her life seeing the uh, mass-produced Kubelet. <laughs> so, and, and then we see uh, that, you know, the, uh, what is it, the it's the reveal that she's going to be the pilot of the uh, of the banshee so but um yeah I, that that was my biggest thing with this episode besides the whole nonsense with uh, Lonnie and, and banana it was just the um the whole fact that we we go we had three episodes beforehand where it seemed like um you know a lot of things progressed a lot of things went through and it, it didn't seem like you, they were lacking in anything but it's just like a lot went on here but we just um you know, it's just, we're still kind of at the same point that we began with here. And I, I think a lot of it is because of what we just mentioned. It, it really should be, uh, you know, Gundam Unicorn 2 uh, with the subtitle of uh, Please Buy uh, the uh, the 2011 Christmas uh, Model Buy-In Season. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I do like, it's like I said earlier, I like the fact that we're seeing what some of the people within the Xeon remnants are kind of like, 
what the hell is all this bull crap going on? Um, you know, with the captain and those guys really saying, you know, this is, it's just gotten to a point now that this is kind of stupid. Uh, the fact that, uh, full frontal just completely washes his hands of everything I think is hilarious. <laughs> you know, it does make me wonder though, if we were, you know, I was always wondering back of my head when unicorn started, like if we were going to hit this point where you can finally see that it's catching up to the show that they're trying to adapt so much material in not enough space. And yeah. it makes me wonder, you know, what are we going to be seeing or not seeing, rather, in the last two episodes? Because there's still a lot of ground to be covered, and there's only 120 minutes left to cover it, presumably, unless they go longer. Yeah, and, and, and that's the... Uh, and, Which there's and that's, no indication of. Yeah, and, that, and that's the big thing is, like, you know, um, the, the fact that they kind of just really went nowhere here i think is really what really what affects us all i think you know you probably could have um you know adapted it a little bit better like i said i've never read the novel or anything but there was so much there that it looked like they kind of focused on a little bit too much maybe we rightfully so i don't know but yeah it it, it is um it is going to be interesting to see how this kind of ends up because um, you know this could be a situation where it started off with a, a, a grand ideal, but then it just kind of ends up with a little bit of a whimper. And I, and I hope it doesn't. I hope they're able to um, you know to tie it up. But yeah, well, I, I guess I we always... won't know some of the answer to that until May 2012. Yeah, <laughs> I had always wondered that when this was announced, and and when it was announced being a six episode OVA, I was like, hmm, you know, maybe this should be something where it was like maybe a twelve episode, uh, you know, a twelve episode story or, or whatever. So yeah, it's it's gonna be good. But anything else regarding this episode that ratings? We have? Oh, oh, I'm saying before ratings. Mm-hmm. Anything else uh, that you want to add no. in? Okay, Mm-mm. Chris, your rating. Uh, for having some good elements, but also some problems, I'd have to give it a three. Okay, soul bro. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, I just want the bar to be raised. Uh, next episode and uh, this episode hurt me a little bit. Uh, I, I'd have to say I'd give it a two, uh, two stars. Um, wow. I, I, it could have been better. Yeah, yeah, harsh. Wish, yeah I'm, I'm a little harsh. harsh. I'm a little harsh today. More harsh than me for once. <laughs> and actually, I'm surprised that I'm agreeing with soul bro on this because I would say the same thing. I think for all of the cool... Shocking. Well, I, don't, I think I can count on one hand the amount of times in four years that I've heard you say that you agree with Solbro on something. You know, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised he rated it this low. I, I thought I thought Solbro would be good with about a three, but it must have really affected him that much because... It, you know, and, and my reason being is, is for all the cool little things like, mm-hmm. you know, the bubble suit porn, as cool as it was, in the end, it didn't really do anything for me when it came to the actual episode. Yeah, when, when I I know when I have more complaints than I have good things to say about something, yeah. it's got to rank lower than the three as yes, far as I'm concerned. Something is wrong with the world when Sobro has more cons than pros. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I, I, think, I think he's thinking in the same light that I am is the fact that this is one-sixth of the show. You know, it's it, it's not one of these situations where it's like uh, you know a twenty-five or fifty episode show, and you maybe have one or two stinkers, and you know you're able to get past that. It's like wow, you know, this was a major. Even if the fact of of one half of this episode was a stinker and it it regained it, it just yeah. But wow, man, um, what's your number? What, minus two. Oh. I, I said I agree two with stars. two or minus two. <laughs> oh. No, I said this... my, mine is two, not minus two. No, it's, okay. <laughs> it's not this is an, darkness. This is an anime toilet. <laughs> 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 no. but um, but, uh, 
Uh, yeah. Okay. So anything, any closing thoughts before we move on about, um, you know, to our next segment? Nope. All right. Well, like Chris stated, we'll be going back into this in March of 2012. So, uh, <laughs> or, or May, is it? May. May. Oh, jeez. Brace wow. yourself. Well, they got a lot of time to, to fix this thing. So there mm-hmm. you go. But um, a lot right. of time to focus on uh, more cameos because they're already giving hints about uh, which mobile suits, old mobile suits, will be making cameos next episode. So oh, nice! Long as long as they got their eyes on the prize, the important thing, which is the mobile suits, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not little nonsense things like the story. You you know where their focus is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, last episode we had that news that all those all those uh, suits are going to be coming being reissued. So. I, I'm, I'm sure they're definitely looking forward to that. So, all right. Well, that was our uh, our take on episode four of Gundam Unicorn at the bottom of the gravity well. We'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. you in the ass who that who will be you me i shot you yeah i mean I'm, i was i was shooting that was i did a lot of shooting i mean but i i, I ain't saying i shot you in the ass i mean i, I ain't saying i didn't shoot you but gun damn somebody shot you in the ass tell me about it If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should, too. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh, wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Spill it, or we take you out in the alley and we knock it out of you. You needed the money, so you killed her. That's not true, goddammit!
This segment of Gundam at MHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is DK. Stumps <laughs> <laughs> for my pants filling up. There must be mobile suits nearby. <laughs> DK just DK just pooped himself. <laughs> okay, so we're 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 back with our Gundam doubleheader. And now it's time to talk about episodes five through eight of Gundam Rage, Sage, Ooh. Age. Or Baby Gundam. Oh, yes. That too. So as we did with the first time, we're just going to do a quick run through on the plot points because we assume you've either watched the show or you're at least pretending to have watched the show having read the MHQ reviews. <laughs> <laughs> or is you that, just hate it blindly without having watched it. I hate it blindly for just not having watched it. Yeah. So That's spirit. The first episode that we're going to be talking about is episode five, The Demon Boy. Ooh, nice. Which, clearly nothing bad will happen in an episode with that title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing at all. So, in this episode, we finally reach the colony Fardane that the diva has been heading for, and it's a super huge old colony, pretty gigantic. And we got two things going on here. One is that um, the captain starts uh, playing blackmailer, because he's going to be arrested for seizing command of the diva, but he instead blackmails the guy by saying, "Hey, um, yeah, I saw you got this little bank account here that you use to deposit all the money that you pocket for letting ships dock without permits. And yeah, if I got court-martialed, I'd, I'd have to, uh, you know, mention that." Hey, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> but Weezkin uh, makes that goes away, you knows. I'll look the other way if you know what I mean. <laughs> You right. never saw me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we've got the other part of this episode is Flit decides to go out on his own on a uh, on a little segue. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. it is about segues in robot shows now. First yeah, they're, they're here, still around. And, and now, uh, and now age. Oh. So he's he's out on the segue, thinking to himself that uh, he needs to be stronger, yada yada, and uh, he almost runs over some weird kid <laughs> who's very creepy looking and has a very creepy voice mm-hmm. and, and, and gives creepy looks when Flit's not looking and he decides to take this creepy kid back to the ship to bandage him up yeah. so then he shows the kid the Gundam and in the most pathetic Gundam Jack ever <laughs> this kid uh, Desiel Gallet he swipes the age device out of Flit's jacket, hops into the Gundam and flies out as the Yui are approaching, and he proceeds to totally, like, kick ass and completely show up both Wolf and Flit. Yeah. To the point that even Professor Grandpa's like, I can't believe he did that! Professor <laughs> Grandpa! And then he, uh, he just casually drops off the Gundam because he's bored and uh, tells Flit, like, Hey, mister, maybe I'll feed you again if you survive that long. Tee-hee-hee-hee-hee! <laughs> That's pretty much uh, episode five, uh, which finishes with uh, Desil being surrounded by a bunch of creepy dudes in black robes, <laughs> including one guy who not only has black robes, but a mask. Oh, man. Who, who of course, it's not suspicious at all when some of those guys are walking around a colony, a bunch of dudes in, in black hooded robes. Looking for a kid. Looking at looking surrounding a little kid. Yeah. Uh, that's but, not at all suspicious. Not at all. The cult of Jackson. 
Maybe the cult of Sandusky. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Well, yeah, they were white guys. So yeah, that's true. So, so uh, Solbro, uh, your comments on the Demon Boy? I, it was a pretty insightful episode. Um, I, I like the fact that uh, that the little the little Demon Boy himself is named what is it? Uh, Desil Gallet. Yeah. Uh, he uh, when he jacked the Gundam and just showed how well. He could pilot it in, in, in comparison to Flit. I, I like that Flit got that little eye eye awakening um, uh, uh, when it when it came to how well his suit could handle and how well he could end up piloting the suit if he just practices or or you know just allows himself to get better. So it, it was a nice determination. Like little kid. Yeah, <laughs> I just love that he got totally shown up by a, a little seven year old kid who's oh. half his age. Oh, he got punked hard. But um, you know, it was a it was a destiny it was a determination setter for Flit, and I like the fact that he took it in a uh, it, it, mostly positive. Um, although you know he still is left wondering what happened to Dessel and and where did he come from and how could he pilot that so well. So there's a lot of questions there, especially with those uh the hooded guys. Also, um, I really dug how we we continue to see Grodek Gro- Gro- um operate in kind of a shady. Almost, I wouldn't say sinister, but the potential Kinda for sinister. Shady. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, completely shady. This man, this man is politic and hard, and he knows how to play people. And he, he he's he, <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that's what Tony Soprano did. Politic. <laughs> At the very least, he knows forensic accounting. Yes, he yeah. does. And, yeah, uh, and the fact that you know we get a little more insight on on this mysterious dude. I honestly don't know where we're going to be with him by the time this this first generation ends um and we'll get into that later on because we'll, we'll in the later episodes that we're going to discuss we'll see pretty much you know what, what what makes him tick um this is the episode that uh emily also has a a confrontation with uh grodek too right yes yeah i, I that, was, that was probably my favorite scene the whole episode because you know she gets out of him pretty much what the what what kind of is what the deal is with him but he uh he only uh Pretty much tells her the, the 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 light stuff, I guess. <laughs> With him, I, I I don't quite trust him, but he's still a dope captain at this point, and um, I'm looking to see where his character, or how his character progresses as the series goes along. So, good how episode. Can you not trust a guy who jumps onto jeeps and tasers people and blackmails <laughs> corrupt guys. Got that? that sin- that's instantly awesome. Got that yeah. sinister ass beard, man. For, he's he's awesome, man. He's he's definitely bucking the trend of uh of the captain. In the series, he seems more like Captain Harlock to me than uh, <laughs> the Captain Bright. <laughs> I think he's already—he's certainly surpassed being uh, Jamil Mark too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The only thing that would make him even more awesome is if he actually did pilot a mobile suit. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. You never know. But um, Neo, what are your thoughts? Oh, you, you guys bypassed the I, biggest thing: how excited I, I, DK was <laughs> when he. Uh, when, when they were going to get to the, I mean, I think he crapped himself nine times when they were flying into the into the colony because he was like, "Oh, it looks so cool! I'm going to go out and have some fun." <laughs> he must have because he's going to be gone <laughs> for quite some time, thanks to his oh, little his uh, sightseeing. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's Indiana DK <laughs> having side adventures that we don't know nothing about. Well, that, that's uh, that's the that's the new spinoff series coming in spring 2012. DK, the manga series running concurrent in um, Gundam Ace. Yeah. Well, I think it was good to have that scene with Emily and Grodek because it's been building up that you know she knew his secret. Yeah. And you know that she confronted him about it, and he laid it out like, "Look, that guy's an asshole, and he's going to leave you all to die." Mm-hmm. And you know, I've discovered the the UE's patterns, and they're inside this mobile fortress. They're inside this old fortress, and we're going to go attack it. 
Well, I, I think it's cool, Which too. Which is pretty neat that he's he wants to be proactive rather than, you know, your typical Gundam reactive ship yeah. which is mm-hmm. always running away from the battles and oh, being yeah. attacked he wants to get the drop on him yeah well, and, and uh although it did kind of was a tease that at the end of the previous episode he's like i know exactly what they are <laughs> <laughs> and yet doesn't bother to tell us oh you know. i'm sure it's coming one of these episodes <laughs> well i i think that i think that scene also does the fact of it kind of takes it takes her innocence away when it comes to like the way she looks at the world like everything's like kind of up to that point she's thinking uh you know black and white and seeing that you know what he's doing was something that he wasn't portraying so he must be up to something and you know he's doing it for uh for bad reasons but when you know he finally does break it down to her it's like you know i she she gets that realization like you know i'm not in uh i'm not in kansas anymore I'm on the uh i'm in Ferdinand. But DK, <laughs> she's getting more of the picture than she probably intended on yeah. seeing. That's what's making her wanting to run the hell away from this whole debacle, <laughs> along with her friends, of course. But yeah. Any but yeah. other comments on uh, this episode? Yeah, just the, just the weirdness with uh, with Diesel. I mean, it was just just to, you know, and that that whole thing of those people coming up to him at the end. It just you know brings up more questions in this show. Just what we needed, right? More, and they're talking uh, about this mysterious stuff about Eden, which uh, is yet to be explained. Yeah, so it's like you know we we still don't even know who they're fighting, and now we have more questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I know in a few episodes we'll get even more questions. So these and, and definitely on? you know something shady is going on when Gaffrins can fly around indiscriminately inside of the colony and nobody even notices. Yeah, yeah I know that was weird, really weird. So the the next episode. We're gonna be talking about is episode six, the light and shadow of Fardane, mm-hmm. which opens with the most unintentionally hilarious line ever in Gundam. <laughs> I can't believe a little kid piloted the Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I guess he never saw victory, <laughs> or or the or looked, fourteen or looked, other, or looked in the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> I actually had to do a double. I actually had to rewind it when he said that. <laughs> Talk about a lack of self-awareness. <laughs> There's something wrong with my uh, my translations here. <laughs> so some interesting things that go on here. We we see some flashbacks of Grodek, and we find out that his wife and daughter were on the Colony Angel, which was the first one to be destroyed by the UE 14 years ago, so he oh, definitely yeah. has a revenge motive. He's got skin in the game. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a confrontation between Flit and Emily because she wants to go to this other con, and he's like, nah, I'm going to chill here on the Diva and be the Gundam kid. And she's like, you're going to die! <laughs> and then she runs away. So... um he goes chasing after her. Wolf runs off to get himself a nice new mobile suit. And mm-hmm. while out searching for Emily, which Flit completely fails at because she's standing right in front of him yeah. at a at a, at a freaking, you know, corner, but Haro spots her. <laughs> <laughs> Point one for Haro. <laughs> yeah. They then get caught up in this battle when all these mobile suits appear in the streets out of nowhere and start shooting at each other. And then some weird, overly muscular badly deformed kind of short guy <laughs> brings him underground. His name's Ewark. Mm-hmm. Introduces him to his annoying little daughter and he Aww. tells him like all of this backstory dump about how in the colonies there was a war between these two factions, the Zalem, 
whose logo is a complete ripoff of Zaps. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, I know. Amazingly. Just fruitier. And, and the Yuba. <laughs> and even though there was a peace treaty that put an end to the fighting and supposedly banned all mobile suits, these two factions are still around and they're still fighting with mobile suits. So yeah. they get caught up in, in that action and Grodek, he's meeting with a shady arms dealer named Don Boyage <laughs> because he wants to buy a couple of battleships to go attack the UE and in exchange he's offering to give Boyage access to a secret Federation weapons database, which is even shadier than what any, anything he's done up to now. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man straight grimy. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he he definitely got a little. He definitely got dirty on this one. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then of course, as you would expect, the stupid young girl disappears and gets caught up in a battle. So Flit has to get the Gundam, and he's uh, not fighting any of these retarded mobile suits that are just standing there shooting at each other. And then at him, a new UE suit shows up and then vanishes just as quickly. And then all these retarded mobile suits come in. They're like, "Hey, you're under arrest. You wrecked our town." He's like, I didn't do anything. It was the UE. I was trying to protect you all. Where? I don't remember the where in there. <laughs> well, it was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, comments on this episode? Uh, it's pretty much DK free. So, uh. <laughs> no, you keep track of like a, a DK, DK meter? There's a DK meter, yeah. A little, little, little pile of steam and poo in the corner. Oh. <laughs> so, how does this episode rate on the DK meter? What is the range? <laughs> Would zero be DK free? Well, zero is DK free, and then uh, th- uh, f- five poos is uh, full DK. Full DK. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so wrong. <laughs> Somebody get the plunger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Clean off the walls. Yeah, this is a weird episode. You know, it's okay. We get the whole backstory with the battle that's just never the war that people are just continuing to fight for no reason. As we find out in other episodes, it's almost like nobody really realizes why we're fighting this. <laughs> we're fighting this battle anymore. We're just you could even this. call it fighting because these retarded mobile suits, they just stand there in the street where they have all of these barriers that come up. You wonder, why don't they fight out in the desert where there's because this colony is so freaking huge. Yeah, <laughs> they have to fight um, in the middle of the street, and they just stand there shooting each other with like the worst pea shooters ever. No kidding. <laughs> these guns seem to have like no effect even on their crappy yeah. suits, let alone the Gundam. Uh, it just, I just got the McCoys versus Hatfields vibe with this, with this, with this nonsensical fighting that these guys are having in the middle of a, a city. And of course, the city, I guess, um, took notes from uh, Tokyo Three. <laughs> and they went ahead and made sure that these idiots don't 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 mess things up for the most part. I, I, but, I um, love how I love how the citizens are just like, oh god, they're at it again. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah they, like they like, would have oh, to geez. put up with that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Who would live there where every day like some idiots come out of mobile suits with crappy yeah. guns to just stand in the middle of the street, shoot each other? Cause no damage and then just go away. Yeah, I was like, man, you figure that the, the does this colony have police? <laughs> Do they have any kind well, of? Uh, where, I, where's the, their pat labor units? No doubt, man. The, the, the thing about it is, it, it's because you know that, a, that Oda and and uh, Izumi they wouldn't take this crap. <laughs> what kills me about this is the freaking colony is so huge. It's like you said, they can't fight each other in out out in the desert, but they can fight the UE there. In the middle but, of downtown. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just set up all these little barriers and you know disrupt all every, everybody else's life for our stupid little battle that really is really ridiculous. And then the annoying little girl. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. 
I don't know what's worse, her really? look or her voice. Oh, I, I thought she was adorable, man. Riri? Oh, oh man. And Ewok was cool too, man. Like him, him, said, her, uh, her deformed Planet of the Apes father. No doubt. Her, her foster father. Ewok in his, uh, his mobile suit by Caterpillar. Yeah, the little hard hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get why this guy would be like in uh, like a crappy construction mobile suit, and you mm-hmm. know it's a construction mobile suit because it has a shovel and a construction hat and a pickaxe. Yeah, <laughs> it gets shot up to hell and it's about to explode, but he refuses to leave the cockpit. <laughs> like your name is not Hero Yui. <laughs> you cannot be inside of an exploding mobile suit. <laughs> and Flint has to play the whole like, do you want to leave your your adopted daughter, you know, alone? Like this guy was about to pull a uh, a, a freaking uh, uh, Atalia exactly <laughs> for no reason. Like, what are you an idiot? You leave this little kid? It's like get the hell out of that by yourself just because you're we, a dumbass. Well, we, we but but uh, for his defense, we don't know how uh, how much she annoys him. This is true. <laughs> he might he might have been just like you know what this is this is my way out because me. So I don't you know, know there were there definitely are developments going on here, and you know we see a new Yui mobile suit, the Bakto, that completely like deflects a shot from the Dots rifle, which shows how powerful it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. time, upgrade time. Yeah, uh, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you know there definitely are some developments, but I think the execution was a little clunky in this episode with the laying out what's going on in this colony, the massive info dump about the war in the past and these all these factions. So there could have been some better execution. So I have to say um, this episode was like a three. And by the yeah. way, for the previous episode, a three and a half. Yeah, I, I, I got to give, give the previous three, episode about the same. And I'd give it... And the other thing I think is just the forced, the forced little thing with, uh, with, with Iwaka or whatever his name is and... and Ewark and his and the little girl. It's like you know it, that whole thing just seemed a little forced. And like you said, he he just his stupidity of like you know he cares for this girl so much, and then his stupid dumbass mobile suit gets blown to shit, and then he's he's having a harder than hell time to get out of it. It's like yeah. I, I don't also know. Um, you gotta kind of wonder like what kind of uh, so they kind of show this whole like little underground shanty town, and we live in the poverty, and all these rich guys are up there, and blah blah oh, blah yeah. blah. Mm-hmm. And when we first see this girl, she's like. Daddy, look at all these scraps I found. I have enough so that we can buy dinner for tomorrow. Oh. Yet he's got a mobile suit. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, like, a mobile suit, presumably for a job. Yeah. Why do you not have enough money that your little, like, adopted daughter, who's maybe, like, four, has to, like, happily search for metal scraps to sell to buy dinner? How does how does that work? Well, cost of living must be ridiculous, then. <laughs> Maybe so. If you know, if every job in the middle of the day gets interrupted by oh, it's time for the mobile suit fighting, <laughs> freaking oh, quitting yeah. time. I mean, yeah. it, this episode it it, it it's, it it's obviously it's a distraction episode. Uh, it's one of those episodes where it, it may, its main purpose to me is um how the gun was going to win the hearts and minds of the people, and it, it's going to be one person at a time apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and apparently also the the Federation they must be pretty shitty at enforcing their treaties. Yeah, uh, that's that's the big thing there. Because when they when they had a flashback to the, the to that civil war, it made it seem like it was on a much bigger scale. But then you you see these penny ante antics between the two sides. Um, on in this colony, and it, it makes it seem a lot less. Uh, well, I lot... think it was big scale. It's yeah. just that now these are just these sad descendants, kind of like you know all of the sad neo Zeon that just can't get the clue <laughs> and go away. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> I just got to keep coming back for more. It's definitely a shadow of its former self, then. 
<laughs> but, you know, if that treaty, that peace treaty, was supposed to create peace in the colonies and ban mobile suits, mm-hmm. then very clearly the Federation has failed because <laughs> yeah. mobile suits they're are a dime a dozen everywhere. Yeah, they're all over the place. I mean, even even when little, um, you know, uh, dirty little construction guys have one, it's like, you know. And, it, and, it that's, and that's why the announcer from Gundam Wing is a liar. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> But that's completely irrelevant here. So, so yeah, I can see what they were trying to do here, but the execution could have been better. It's a little, little too clunky, especially with the info dump about uh, the war in the past. So yeah. it could have done a better job with that. It's, it's definitely an average episode uh, when, when it comes down to that. i got to give it a 3-2. A 3 as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to Episode 7, Evolving Gundam. Oh, Flit gets taken into custody by the um, by the uh, the Zalem mm-hmm. because we find out that uh, Boyage is one of the Zalem, and uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, buy that Gundam off of you." <laughs> <laughs> Flit's like, "No, it's not for sale." <laughs> so you know, we see that you know just how petty this conflict is. More of these idiots from the Yuba show up, including this like dumb fancy man named Racked Alphamel. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Fancy pants guy. Yeah, fancy <laughs> pants, fancy hair, a little highlights, kind of 80s reject. What's, wor- what, what's worse, or, or him or uh, Don Boyage's uh, two, uh, you know, in unison idiot bodyguards? Yes, the Don is right. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, it was funny the first two or three times, but... <laughs> when they start doing it in mobile suit battles, it's like, oh, man. It's okay. kind of annoying. Um so the the Zalem and the Yuba have a fight, and uh, Emily and the others they want to rescue Flit. So they recruit Judo and the Junkyard Kids Generation Two. Oh no, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> At that point, I knew. I just felt the hatred from Austin. <laughs> Saw that. I was like, I felt there was a great disturbance in the hate force. It's like, it's like, look, it's some dirty kids standing on a pile of junk. It's Judo and the Junkyard Junkyard Kids Mark Two. <laughs> Uh, and poor Vargas. Yeah. The the Zalem and the Yuba start having stupid fights and interesting, um, you know, in continued nods to uh, things in the past. Did you notice the two lackeys? They have green pilot suits and their helmets have tubes on them, which make them look like Zakus. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they do. But Don Boyage, he has a blue pilot suit <laughs> that makes him look like a goof. And so incidentally, he is a goof. Mm-hmm. I, all day. <laughs> And it, it, it mobile suit had goof like elements too, so it's it's. I, I, I guess you uh, shot me, boy. <laughs> Play with me, boy. Play with me, boy. Come at me, boy. Come at me, bro. <laughs> oh man! So the the stupid Hatfield and McCoy fighting is interrupted when the UE show up again. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Flit uh, has to fight, but he knows that he can't fight against these heavy suits. And then uh, Professor Grandpa tells him, hey, got some new new crap for you from the age system. Oh, nice. So, in the meantime, you got poor Largan. Man, this guy. <laughs> this guy is just getting it bad. I feel bad for him. This guy <laughs> episode one. so much. Because yes. in episode one, like his leg gets broken because he can't even get out of the hangar because... The freaking uh, Gaffron was a spawn camper. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and now he's trying to fight a heavy mobile suit with his completely crappy, inadequate Genoese. 
that has you know the, the little little piddling beam spray gun and a heat stick. Not even a beam saber, but a heat stick, which is utterly <laughs> useless. Yes. It looks like a it looks like a tent stake. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like a tent stake. <laughs> like what's he gonna build a tent? <laughs> so then. Well, didn't, uh, it, did, didn't it get upgraded, though? Didn't they say they upgraded it a little bit? The, the, uh, the explains how he managed to survive more than 10 seconds. <laughs> 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 so then just as he's about to die, Flit shows up in the Gundam Titus. Oh, I thought it was the Gundam Age Maxter. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> and the best. <laughs> And he's like, hey, Japanese! (laughs) (laughs) He does one punch, makes a heroic pose, and then end of episode. (laughs) And that was episode 7, Evolving Gundam. Any any comments? (laughs) It's as silly as it sounds. (laughs) It really is. For once, uh, you know, we were saved when the the UE uh, showed up and uh, stopped that stupid battle between... Yeah, because it's like... Just these idiots standing there chanting, Salam, you Salam, you Like, man, this is just so simplistically stupid. <laughs> this conflict. It's like, they don't, these guys don't even bother to explain what they're fighting for. It's, you know, we're, we're better than you are, and you suck. <laughs> it's like a cheap, like, gang conflict. Yeah, That's literally it, what this looks to have degenerated to. Which has just lost all its meaning. <laughs> Throughout time. Also, I got a comment on how dumb it looked when Flit is like zooming across the land in the Gundam, mm-hmm. running fast with the boost. It kind mm-hmm. it, it, it was so it's so dumb looking, and this was so hilarious that someone photoshopped that to make it a meme and put it at the bottom. Haters gonna hate. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it looked exactly like that picture of that eagle. Oh yeah, my god. Well, I mean, it kind of reminded me of, um, there were some silly moments in Turn A Gundam 2 of things that Laurent had the Gundam do. Um, it kind of, I kind of got a little bit of a, 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 a nostalgia guess, moment. Not nostalgia, nostalgia, just, just, I guess, deja vu <laughs> when it came to that. But, um, nostalgia moment or for Sobro, any given moment of the day. <laughs> I mean, this show, this show is a, a little bit whimsical. So I, I, I gave it a pass in that regard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Whimsical. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit of whimsy there, but um, yeah, it's still silly looking. I'll I'll be the first to admit we're used to seeing you know Gundams portrayed in a more uh, in 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 quotation marks realistic light, but (laughs) but uh, it was also it made me smile a little bit. I gotta say to see that Gundam just run run um insanely like that, and uh, of course the uh. Uh, uh, my man. Uh, oh, as, uh, as I gotta give, I gotta give shout outs to Hot Limit. He uh, he nominates Largan as my man. Largan's too cool to be your man. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Apparently, apparently the He's judges, super. the judges say that um, they did they, they deny that, and um, they they're still giving me uh, uh, y- your boy uh, DK. So. You know who your man is. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you set you set the standard, Soul Bro. I mean, you set the standard of what <laughs> your man is. I mean, well, I guess if DK gets in killed what, off, in what way is Largan even like Saji Crossroads? <laughs> the fact that what they're human—that might be the only, the only, the only similarity—and they're dudes, and that's about it, huh? <laughs> Other than that, Largan is Largan is too cool for my um for, to be hanging out with the likes of Sobro's men. The guy is the guy is in an, an astronaut mobile suit, fighting 
fighting the UE with a tent stake, a heated tent stake, <laughs> and surviving. It's surviving. He's a bro. He's he's a bro. He he's he's yes. far beyond the level of being uh, one of your chumps. Yeah, he's he's in the running for hand me down Gundam. I mean. <laughs> You know, I gotta say, one of the hots of this episode <laughs> was uh, the scene between Grodek and Flit, where Grodek yes. lays out, like, you know, hey, I lost my family too, and I hate the UE, I want to take him down. Come on, let's be bros and fight them. Mm-hmm. That, that was a good scene there. Although, uh, although Homeboy never shook his hand, though. I didn't have time because it was distracted, but you could see the hesitance yeah. in him. Uh, it, which, you know, I guess is another foreshadowing that I, which I think. Which gets dealt with later on yeah I, i'm pretty sure there's gonna be a schism between them somewhere along the way no you don't think so <laughs> but that's my prediction that's mine but uh, yet another one where you are you're wrong, you're wrong. Hey, hey man let the record reflect let the record wrong. reflect <laughs> and then and let the-, the record reflect that you are wrong <laughs> and uh, and of course uh, what can we say about the introduction of of judo and the junkyard kids part do and, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about their involvement in the next episode. <laughs> instant, an instant five stars. <laughs> I, I wondered what Syl Bosby had to say. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been able to talk to him in a while. I think he's, uh, I think he's on vacation one of these days. I, I'm, I'm going to try to email him again to see what he have to say about that. Because <laughs> I, I know Judo and the Junkyard Kids did pretty well during sweeps uh, this fall. So, um, and you know, they got... They got renewed for another season. The constant locked-ins, um, WSBR's DVR. <laughs> I, I do, I do know one of the shows that did get canceled though was uh, the Defender of Destiny. Oh, Jack, Defender of Destiny, yeah. It looks like you canceled it yourself. Uh, no. <laughs> everybody thought the uh, everybody thought somebody else was the main character, not Jabman. So. But back to this episode. <laughs> no doubt. No Any other doubt. comments? Uh, a three. I, yeah, I'd say three. I'd say it's yeah, about it's a three, too. It's still kind of problematic, some, some dumb, annoying things. So, yeah, I would give it a, a three. Same which brings it. us to <laughs> pretty, the, episode. the last episode of this roundup, a Deadly United Front, episode eight. Oh, yeah. So, it's again, actually DK going... Uh, Going back oh, DK's in this one. Oh, I know. <laughs> not it's not Sorry, DK first. free. The grand yeah. return. Yes. <laughs> So, actually, interestingly, taking a step back, this episode shows us um, the extent of Largan's fight with the Bakto because it skipped all over that yeah. as soon as Flit left. And then we see the process of the Gundam having its parts swapped out, which is interesting because unlike something like, say, the Strike, where it's just adding special oh, wow. packs, this is removing of limbs entirely. And and you know what? As I'm watching this, I'm like, it took 30 years for somebody to do this in a in a Gundam show. Like you know, like we said, the the striker packs, you would just swap out the packs. But it would make sense with a ro- a giant robot that you could swap out the limbs for whatever you needed for. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it, it actually makes sense. And I'm like, I'm like, it took 30 years for this, huh? It's certainly better than the dumb convoluted part swapping that G Savior does. Mm. <sighs> It's kind of a throwback too to uh, Mobile Suit because uh, 
in the original Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, when they collected up the uh, the three uh, three mechas for that for the white base, they all had spare parts laying around too. And you know, they, it was it was it was uh, a regular happenstance for a part of the gun to be damaged and have to be replaced with another part. So yeah, it, but, th- but this that is, has but nothing this, to do with what this is. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is an upgrade. Well, no, yeah, but this, this is it, like it is an upgrade. Construction. It of is switching out completely different parts that have the, different the chain, functions. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. How it did. that that was just because Sailor got the foot blown off by a no goof. doubt. You know, well, for pimp- being a goof. Yeah, for <laughs> being a complete goof. Well, pimp my Gundam then, pimp it. <laughs> and, and, and let's not forget those those leftover parts in MSG gave mm-hmm. us the cheap wool and stuff. Yes, indeed. So, yo, dog, I heard you like Gundams. <laughs> 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 Anything else that happened in this episode? <laughs> uh, we haven't even gotten through it yet. Go ahead. <laughs> what about me? We see uh, the the birth of the Gundam Titus. Flit goes back out into action and shows off his uh, his slamming abilities and his beam lariat. Yeah, which is uh, interesting because. We don't usually see much in the range of close-range beatdowns, at mm-hmm. least not since G Gundam. And given that the Titus bears at least a slight resemblance to the Maxter, yeah, that was kind of kind of nice to see. Yeah, how, uh, how much how much were you want? Or, I was so hoping that the shoulder pieces would pop off and go on his go on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they got, oh no, they're not going to do it, are they? Damn. I was I was hoping to hear Gundam fight ready. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and here out of nowhere, Master is just like, Come on! <laughs> the only thing that made it better is if you would have had a shield and surfed on it all the way back to the fight. But anyway, mm-hmm. so Flit is fighting off the enemies, but there are too many. But thankfully, Wolf arrives to save the day in his new customized Gundam-looking white mobile suit with Wolf Ears, the G-Exus. Yeah. And uh, he proceeds to slice and dice the enemy and list why his mobile suit is so awesome because it has beam sabers and it moves fast and most importantly he's the pilot <laughs> it is so hilarious i love the last part where it's just that pause and it's just like because i'm the pilot <laughs> irreplaceable technology <laughs> Oh, and he's got the coolest damn, uh, he's got the coolest logo on his friggin' shield, too. I was like, oh my god, this is just too cool. <laughs> it's like, once again, a, 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 another another mobile, regular mobile suit that's on par with the gun when it comes to looks. It's awesome. And then at the end, after the enemy's defeated, the, uh, the Zalaman that you would re- reluctantly agree to uh, join forces temporarily because they did fight together to. F- to uh, fight off the UE, and they're like, Run, don't expect us to be friends or anything. <laughs> I still don't like you, but I guess you're okay. And the, and that guy racked. He must be related to a uh, crazy uh, uh, glove guy in 0079. Because he, <laughs> he had that scene where he's like, he's doing his glove there, and they got the sound going. I'm like, he must be related, related to a crazy uh, space Nazi guy in 0079. <laughs> Maybe and his then, ancestor way back when. <laughs> We, we, yeah, get, we, don't, uh, we don't know where this falls in the whole timeline. So, yeah. That's we true. Get a nice little, nice little ending bit where uh, Don Boyage tells Grudek that all their mobile suits came from the uh, the Black Merchant of Death, Yark Door. Oh, Yark Door is the mysterious masked hooded dude that we saw a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. And then, as a nice little closing tease, 
we get uh, at the Moderna workshop where the GXS was made. We see him putting away the old Genoase, and what's right next to it? The Zedas. Oh, dun dun dun! dun, dun. dun. Oh, man, come back next week for episode nine. <laughs> so, gentlemen, comments on this, Solbro. All right. Um, yeah, the whole talk about Yark Door reminded me of uh, the Shadow Broker from Mass Effect. <laughs> you heard about him way, way before you actually got to see him. Although this is, uh, we got to actually see him. Or in this case, you him saw him before, before you heard you, about him. Before you heard about his reputation. So that was that was kind of neat that they have they have like a um, a black uh, a black market uh, uh, character in this, and uh, I, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out in episode nine if they if they go all into that. But um, no, I, the the uh, the I, I guess uh, mid season upgrades are uh, sorry upgrades. Uh, not aren't always mid season, <laughs> so it's, it was cool to see the uh, the the Gundam Age Titan, uh, the Gundam Titan, yeah, Age Titan, and um, to see what they Titus. can do. Titus. Ti- oh, Titus! I don't know where uh, we were talking about Titans earlier. So, the Gundam Age Titus. Yeah, last segment. Last segment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, get with the flow, so bro. I'm always behind. Um, but yeah, the Titus was uh, re- a really neat upgrade for it. I mean, uh, just to see his Mike Haggard techniques and Tiger knees for everybody. That was uh that was pretty cool the uh, the the little bean spikes that come out of those uh those holes that are on the yeah, armor. Yeah, I had to mention Capcom. Hey man, every day. You, can't, you <laughs> can't go a single episode. Hey man, he was without somehow a... forcing Capcom into it. Lariats and body slams and tiger knees, man. I have to acknowledge. <laughs> so pathetic. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, I, I and 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 finally, uh, Flit got some. Instead of being uh, beaten down, which 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 show did you watch? No, I'm just saying. uh, After after a couple (laughs) episodes of taking a pounding, (laughs) what? After uh, what? By young Asian boys. He was just he was he was on the losing end of the struggle for the last two episodes uh, when it came to the uh, the UE. So you know it's nice to finally see him. Kind of by choice because he wasn't really he was trying to protect the city and yeah get all the stupid civilians. But payback is a bitch. (laughs) And then you had the dumb little you know little roly poly uh, pumpkin head girl get involved (laughs) and everything. What's bigger, her head or Haro? <laughs> and this is a big, and this is a big Haro, not a not a seed version Haro. So, regulation size. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that, it's just to finally see him uh, get uh, finally um, get some more uh, some marks on the scoreboard. Man, it was really it was good. And uh, also, of course, uh, Wolf's uh, grand entrance in his uh, GXs. That's a sexy suit, man. I'd love to get a model of that. It's uh, it was just to see him rip through those guys like like so much toilet paper was was pretty nice, but um, it was a good episode overall. I if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably give it a three point five. Well, you have to give it a rating. Well, there um, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely an improvement. Uh, the three point five. However, it was just so obvious that by the end that the Zalem and the Yuba would put aside the differences to grudgingly work together. Like who who didn't see that coming? Oh yeah, who didn't? <laughs> yeah, I'd say three point five too, especially with the great reveal at the end with uh, the mobile suits and at the uh, at the, uh, at the hangar at the factory. And of course this gives the marked return of DK because he sits next to the professor grandpa. Um, <laughs> That's why we got know, the point five. out the parts, even though he, and he must be getting, he must be overcoming his fear of mobile suits because he had no problem sitting there with that stupid ass <laughs> smile on his face as the things are getting printed out of the, uh, the, uh, the laser jet, uh, uh, dot system or the H system. So it's like, um, that, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. But it, it, like you said, it was pretty, it was, 
it, it was so obvious that they're gonna put away, put away their differences. The uh, the Uba and the whatever they are. I'm so tired of those guys. But uh, <laughs> it was so obvious. But yeah, definitely definitely a better episode than the last two clunky ones that we had. So and it was like we said earlier, it was cool to see uh, the upgrade actually, you know, changing the Gundam except for the body of it. So. But what will happen next to Flit and his friends in episode nine? Come back. So. More adventures of Judo and the Junkyard Kids. Oh, yeah, man. that was the other thing. Those kids. Oh my God, the poor Professor Grandpa in the uh, in the uh, the space pickup, and having those oh, those kids were everywhere, and they had to try to protect them. And they probably, probably smell too. Yeah, oh. they were dirty. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking, how many dirty little fingerprints are on Haro now that the girls uh, been holding them the whole for two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and is she going to get heartbroken when they take him back? So, all right. So I, I guess this train well, is probably, derailed. She's probably, she's probably thinking if he could, if she could sell him for scrap, that'd be a lot of meals. That'd be like breakfast, even. Dirty <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, little kids. <laughs> I think this train is derailed. So no doubt. Any other comments about this episode? No, not at all. I really, I really would have liked to know what Austin thinks with the he return. He hates more orphans. <laughs> and that's what they are. So. No, nothing else, Chris. Let's let's stop this thing as it's. <laughs> let's stop this train wreck. <laughs> all right, so that's uh, that's it for this segment. We'll uh, have another discussion a few episodes down the line, talking about episodes nine through twelve. But until then. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Gundam! Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around, glow, and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. Twelve-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my Charmander. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich (laughs) calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Hey guys, I am Sean Ryan, also known as the Grey Ghost. And I am Kevin Gray, also known as The Business and the LLC. And we are Method to Madness! A weekly podcast that cusses and discusses anime and video games. Yes. And other otaku subjects. That That is what we are here for. We are here to rip them up and sometimes build them up. The shows that we love, the shows that we hate, the shows that we watch so that you wouldn't have to. Go to thegreyghost.net or go check us out on iTunes. With whiskey. <laughs> this is so stupid, but awesome. That's why this is going to be great. Boy, it's lucky you had these cards. Using for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself, and this is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Goddamn fool! I knew that you were gonna say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him?
Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, and this was uh, episode 91. We're finally in the, uh, the home stretch. Um, we talked about in this episode, well, actually, we reviewed uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn episode 4 at the bottom of the gravity well. Uh, a, sh- a surefire classic for those, <laughs> for those who check that out. And um, also, we reviewed episodes 5 through 8 of Mobile Suit Gundam Age. And, um, and, and, and DK, of course, had his say in all of that. So um, before we close this episode out, we, of course, have to uh, yet again revisit the, uh, the old post office and open up another uh, set of messages at the mailbag with our postmaster, Chris. Chris, take it away. Hey, Chris, are your rates going up like the post office at the first of the year, too? Yes. Okay. Stock up on those forever stamps. (laughs) (laughs) You can uh, send us messages, of course, on the MechaTalk mailbag thread for Gundam, Mm -hmm. or you can send us a voicemail on our Google Voice number, 305 SWATFAG. <laughs> oh my god. Swat fag. Or or if you prefer the numbers 305-792-8324. So our inaugural voicemail message comes from none other than Mulaflaga. So here's what he has. Hi, this is Robin, aka Mulaflaga from Mechatalk. So, you know, the infamous Australian. I just wanted to ask this little question instead of on the usual uh Mailbag Dropbox Fred. Who's the loserist or worst loser villain is in, you know, like between, uh, never settled it between Bird Runnings and, uh, from Dunbine and, uh, from Victory Gundam Chronicle Asher. Alright, so the question who is the biggest loser villain, Burn Burning from Dunbine or Chronicle Asher from Victory Gundam? Gentlemen, I think the answer is pretty clear it's Burn Burnings. <laughs> Yeah, as as creepy as Chronicle was, you know, with his his creepiness with his mask and never really keeping it on his face and his weird obsession with his sister, uh, Burn Burning set a new high standard of loser villainy by no matter how much it looked like he was going to get over that hump in one of those episodes, he always ran into show. <laughs> and show just showed what a pathetic, dumbass loser he was. So, <laughs> And he was so pathetic, he had to become the Black Knight. And usually, when you assume an identity in a mask, you usually end up becoming better. But this is the one of the few instances where uh, it actually did not help. No, <laughs> it didn't. He was, just, it, he was so bad that it was obvious who he was just by how much he sucked. <laughs> and, 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 and show knew exactly who the Black Knight was because he saw the patheticness of the mobile suit combat of Burn Burnings, a.k.a. the Black Knight. So, uh, I, uh, Man, um... I'm a little torn with this question because uh, I know that Ben Burn Bunnings uh, he had one of the best lines in mecha mecha anime history, man. When him and uh, Show were, were 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 facing off in the final episodes, and um, Show I kept asking why he uh, he kept pursuing the road that he was pursuing, and um, and Burn had to tell him powerful arch villainy. That that's that to me is like it just it just summed everything up for that guy. He just ben. lived lived to be a villain. <laughs> that, that doesn't that, is, that doesn't even compare to Harry Orr shouting universe. <laughs> oh, you got me there. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> that is the best line in mecha history. <laughs> universe. But uh, yeah, Chronicle it's, Asher, it's, man. It's, it's not a. Uh, it's not you excite me, boy. <laughs> Chronicle Asher constantly got punked on by his superiors. They weren't even his superiors. He was he was like one of the um the the highest ranking people in in the in the monarchy or the the whatever you called it. Um, 
and, and yet nobody respected him. The cult, no, nobody respected him. At least it's a dark night. Um, and there was a point in time where um, what's his name? Drake Luft actually gave props. Dark night. I'm oh, sorry. The the black the black the, the black knight or whatever you want to call him. When uh, Byrne finally got props from uh, when, when, when did Batman come to Dark Knight? <laughs> Is that a crossover? What does Batman have to do with any of this? Oh man, if Batman was in that in that pilot suit, man, freaking show would be finished. But uh. <laughs> Even even Byrne got a little bit of props from Drake Luft somewhere um after his transition uh to his master persona. I, I don't know. I, I I'm a little torn, but I, I can see where you guys are coming from with Byrne. Now, now Chronicle had the funniest death. I mean, yeah, he did. Funnier than flying out the cockpit of your mobile suit, boinking your head <laughs> with visions of your sister. That was hilarious. But, and didn't uh, didn't Byrne end his and, and Byrne end his tenure killing show in a double KO? <laughs> so at least he got him some at the end. At <laughs> in the very last moment, he accomplished something. He got it. Uh, I can't. I but cannot say that loser. for Chronicle. I can't say that for Chronicle though. Chronicle, he just went out. He went. He went out with a whimper, man, <laughs> and then bad too. So um, I don't know. I, I got to kind of side with Chronicle here, just a little bit because of uh, because of the end, of, the, the the sum of their parts. I've got to say, but that's just me. You know, I, I'm I'm always the odd one out. As usual. Well, that's our only voicemail question, so we're going to switch over now to regular MechaTalk questions, the first of which comes from Awesome78. He says, in the next Macross series, what would you want the main music genre focus to be? Would you want it to stay with pop music, or would you want them to go back to rock and roll like in Macross 7, or would you like them to do a completely different genre like metal or hip-hop? As for me, I would like to see them do hip-hop just for the hell of it and to see if they could pull it off. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely no. Never. No. Especially what, not no? Japanese hip hop. Oh. <laughs> that is about- that is a terror that is a terra bad idea. Oh. <laughs> I, as a as a as a fan of hip hop, I, I just don't see it working in Macross. I don't. And I, I liked I like some um I, I've listened to some Japanese hip hop. Um I know that the underground stuff is really good. Um especially some of the stuff that was in uh Samurai Shampoo was pretty cool. Um but you know those but that's are Samurai Shampoo. That's yeah. But that's a I don't, genre unto itself that it really it really is and um I just don't see it fitting. I would probably like to see them do jazz personally and I know Yoko Kano as a composer can do jazz. What to put the enemy to sleep? <laughs> I'm talking about like, like upbeat jazz, like cowboy bebop jazz, you know that like that, New that cool stuff. Jazz. New Orleans jazz yeah. and just that that well, that bebop. You have to think about yourself you have to think about this, the fact uh, that it's going to be what's marketable. Yeah. And, and New jazz Orleans really jazz isn't. is not marketable. It's going to be most likely J-pop again, which... Yeah, an old, an, old, an, old black, an old black man with a guitar up there with a jazz band <laughs> is, is not as appealing as um, hot little, you know... Little, little cutesy idol. Teen, teen idol, you know, singing about... I would like to see them. them go back to rock, like with Macross 7, so mm-hmm. that's what I would I, like. I would actually like wizard metal. Wizard metal? <laughs> but, then, but then when you brought it up, I, I, I don't know if they could do it because I'd rather have the guy that did Samurai Shampoo do a fantasy, fantasy-based show that's ba- that has a soundtrack of wizard metal, and that would work. That would that would be something else, that's for sure. No, I, I got it. Nerdcore rap. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Oh, please, man, you, you take that back. <laughs> That hurts. Mariachi. We could have mariachi music. That'd be oh, pretty cool. Man. That'd be okay. All but right, I, I, don't, next... I don't know how poor Mexican guys would be if they'd be any more marketable than cutesy teen idol. So. Hey, <laughs> you, you, you don't know mariachi until you've seen a mariachi band do another brick in the wall. 
That I want to see. <laughs> I would love it's to on, see that. It's on YouTube. Look up uh, Mariachi, Another Brick in the Wall. You get these guys like, all in all, you're just another breaking the wall. <laughs> awesome. With the mariachi music. It's... Can we end this now so I can go to YouTube? <laughs> I wish. But we have these damn questions to get through from all these bastards. Damn you, mailbag. Damn you. The next bastard of which is Anubis, who says, Hey, Gundam crew, I meant to ask these questions in the call-in show, but I had a legal memo due the day after. Sir, how dare you? How dare you put your job before Gundam? You should be ashamed. School and jobs should never come before Gundam. Never. That's that's not even a question. Exactly. He says, as a side note, I really appreciated Chris's rant about how people on the internet seem to not know a thing about law. Well, thank you. Or much or anything else, really. Not just law. <laughs> but especially. I got a criminology, criminology degree from Law and Order. You, you got your master's of Phoenix right. <laughs> All right, his first question is, I know Silver watches this, but I'm wondering if Chris and Neo watch the new Avengers cartoon, and if so, what do you think of it? I have not seen it because I watch a zillion things, but I know the first season is on Netflix, so I'll probably be checking it out in the near future. I haven't seen it in succession, but I've seen episodes here and there, and I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was fine. I mean, it's the Avengers. I mean, they, they can't really, you know, they, they seem like they're going with the, the tried and true stories, and, you know, you can't really screw it up that much. And and because it's on what Disney HD or Disney XD or whatever. Yeah, it's on Disney XD. You got it. Yeah, so they're they're not going to be screwing all that stuff up. They own this stuff now, so they want this stuff to be successful. But I, I think it's good. I mean, I like I said, I just haven't seen it in a succession. So he asks is the second question: Has there ever been a time in which you were pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised that Bandai decided to make a model kit of a particular suit? Well, if you listen to the Unicorn episode, I think you could say unpleasantly surprised at the fact that the, the elephant <laughs> is getting an HGUC. That, that's definitely an unpleasant surprise. Yeah, my, uh, my, um, my answer would be yes, yeah, a C-segment one of this episode. <laughs> so, bro? Um, a model kit made a particular, uh, of a particular suit. Um, I was happy uh, way back when when um, they made a, a mobile suit of uh, a model of the Unicorn. Um, I, I guess yes, because that was such a surprise. That it wasn't. It wasn't mega huge <laughs> thing. They were pimping to high heaven with with Yao oh. doing the character designs and Katoki yeah. doing the mecha designs. It was such a surprise. I was, I was, when was they a made stretch, a prop out of that. Who yeah, would was, have ever thought? Who would ever saw that coming? Right? Who would um, ever seen that coming? The other one is the red frame astray. The perfect model. The perfect grade model of that is is still a gorgeous model to me i wish i owned it i, I, I would if i had that, the money i would i drop the bones to pick that up and put Which it together itself is just a recycle of the frame of the strike gundam pretty much Perfect but rate. so yes that's a huge surprise there too that <laughs> and i would recycle the frame it took a while for it to come out though so i uh, to give it credit I, it's something i never thought yeah, we would ever do a perfect grade of because that, that suit's only been done with what the regular strike strike rouge and then and then the red frame <laughs> pretty another much. one i was shocked of was when they did the 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 G-Savior. Mm-hmm. You know, so... But not too shocking, because I guess they were trying to pimp that, so... Even though it was a mess. Oh, you know, yeah. another one was uh, all the uh, all the different versions of the Zeta. I was surprised they ever did that. Never thought they would do all the 2.0s and stuff. You know what surprised me? Mm-hmm. RX-78-2. Oh, man, that's right. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, number three, his last question is, is there any piece of mecha music that gets you really pumped up? I have some music from G Gundam and Galgagar that I listen to my MP3 player when I work out. Yeah, that's that that, that definitely works. Uh, yeah. I throw in Gurren Lagann and stuff from Super Robot Wars. The soon-to-be hip-hop version of Macross. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> um, I know some of my candidates are um, You Get the Burning from the Desco. It's probably my favorite theme song of all time when it comes to that mecha anime. I love that song, every bit of it, and I, I listen to it on on uh, pretty often. I, I actually made a CD of nothing but anime, uh, mecha anime themes, and that's the first one on that disc. So <laughs> that is definitely my jam right there. Um, I mentioned this in the Bubblegum Crisis review. Uh, Konyo Wa Hurricane uh, mm-hmm. from... Um, from Prison to Replicants, man, that is the jam. I don't care. I don't care how old that song gets. It's still, it still gets me um, lit up. And um, the theme song, the Votoms, ironically, is just so powerful and epic to me. I can't help but listen to that song pretty often. And uh, I love the theme song, the Die Guard. Um, I think I forget what it's called, but uh, that song is the jam. I, I, it's so catchy and and it, it just suits the the mood of the show. I I I I, I dig that song a lot. Those are those are some of mine. All right, next, uh, Tiprog Noob says, Gundam Crew, why no love for Evangelion? Oh, boy. Because. (laughs) Okay, moving on. (laughs) The next question comes from Mechton GM, who says, I didn't get a chance to ask my questions during the call-in show, so I'll ask them here. What model kit that you actually own would you take into a Gunpla battle? Man. Uh, Does it have to be built to count? (laughs) if, if, If not, I'll take the Cubile in. And rape everyone with my funnels. <laughs> I would take uh, the 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 custom uh, Zeta that was made for Amaro. I, th- I forget um, what it's called. I think the Zeta Three. I have the model of that, and um, I, I like that. Uh, I like the design of that a lot in the color scheme and everything. I, I, I would take that one into a gunpla battle. Um, probably uh, either Strike or Axia. So. The old, the old tried and true. <laughs> yeah. All right, and next he asks, often during its syndicated runs on TV, Robotech was shown incomplete with many networks not airing the new generation slash most speeded chapter of the series. Even Cartoon Network didn't air the final chapter, and I've heard all manner of story from bad broadcast tapes to It's Too Dark for Kids. Eventually, I saw it on ADV's short-lived anime network. I was wondering if you guys knew some official reason on why new generation wasn't aired. Um... I don't know any particular reason, but those rumors that you've heard sound like nonsense. Yeah, yeah. it does. I mean, if you can watch Macross, I don't see how you could say that, that Most Peta is too dark for kids. That's nonsense. And bad broadcast tapes, that's nonsense also because we've seen Robotech released on DVD multiple times. So um, the knife it could just alone. be some licensing quirk that they don't have the rights to air it. It could be that uh, the networks didn't want all 80-something episodes and just wanted the minimum for syndication so mm-hmm. who knows and in the end does it really matter because a lot of people i mean i didn't want when i first saw robotech i didn't get to see most peta or i should say new generation i had to borrow tapes from a friend but eventually i saw it and everyone who's wanted to see it eventually did see it so in the end it's kind of a move point yeah, yeah when i know when it I, i'm not sure when it aired on a sci-fi all those many moons ago if they actually showed most peta or not but i know on cartoon network they only showed the first two and I always wondered why it was either. I, people told me that it's the least popular of the three, but I always thought the least popular was uh, Southern Cross. But uh, the transition. I don't think anybody likes Southern Cross? So yeah. that's, that's just sounds like more fanboy nonsense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, in, I honestly, any incarnation, 
new generation or most beta is better than Robotech Masters and Southern Cross. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've got to second that opinion. To me, the order is Macross, um, most beta, and Southern Cross by 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 a mile. And um, even even in the Robotech translations, this that's pretty much still how they rank there. So it's, uh, I, I I guess I can't answer the question either. Okay, uh, next we have Mr. Bushido. Oh. Ho. Who says, after thinking about some stuff from the One Year War and other eras of war extending to AUs, what do you guys think about the use of ballistics versus beam weaponry? I've seen some comments relating to this point in the past, and even some go as far as complaining. What do you guys thinks? And that's what he said, thinks. <laughs> so I'm just being accurate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really give it much thought. I don't particularly care. I mean, in every Gundam universe, we always see they always start out with ballistics, mm-hmm. and eventually they go to beams. And if for a while, you've got an overlap, and then by the end, everyone's all beams. So that's just the way it is. I don't really get well, much thought. Well, isn't it a way the, uh, especially like in original MSG, wasn't the beam rifle kind of like semi-ballistic? Like it, it fired, it was a beam, but it fired like molten metal or something like that in? Or uh, I don't know. I always thought that, or maybe I think in the book. Maybe I'm thinking of the book when they described all that stuff. That, yeah. That's certainly not the way at all it's depicted in the animation. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, it always, it always just shows that, you know, they had the ballistics and then they come up and I... I I haven't really put too much thought about it, so I, I, I know when it comes down to it, uh, beam weaponry is more effective, but uh, it always seems to run out, <laughs> which is my biggest complaint with beam weaponry. Um, oh my god, uh, we're out of we're out of beam shots. We only got one unless, shot left. Unless you're Kira Yamato, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you're him, then you got beam spam all day long. Yeah, but um, unlimitless un- amount uh, of beam spam. All I can say is f them both. I'm sticking with the beam saber. <laughs> He also says, given this transition, would you like to see a TV series when every suit used ballistics, even the Gundam or special suit itself, as opposed to having some hand-sized high-tech weapon where grunts would hightail it at the sight of a beam rifle? Uh, I don't think it would ever happen because you always got to have the beam spam. It would would not look Mm -hmm. anywhere near as impressive as if Kira is in the Freedom and he he pushes the press to win button. Yeah. (laughs) You just see a bunch of bullets fly out of the Freedom rather than a zillion different colored beams. I think the closest we got to it was turn A because in the beginning, even though Loran had access to a beam rifle, it never worked right. (laughs) Well, if it happens with 10,000-year-old junk, it it, it falls apart into dust. (laughs) It does. So he had had to use different methods to win the day until, you know, they got into space and everybody had a beam rifle. (laughs) Well, we kind of got a bit of that already because if you remember an 8th MS team, in the Mm -hmm. first half of the show, they all used machine guns and they only started using beam rifles later on when they started fighting the uh the Absolus. oh yeah that's true so yeah um I, I guess we've seen examples of that in gundam but uh just just not that often but then again it's gundam you're always going to have that high-tech beam weaponry in most shows so yeah uh next we have another question from mula flaga this time um oh boy mailbag based uh blah 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 voltron etc etc okay yeah that's it no, he says uh, the original Voltron does not hold up well, but of the two, vehicle force is better. And he goes on to list reasons why, which you can read for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you guys think, uh, vehicle Voltron or original Voltron? I haven't I haven't seen vehicle Voltron in years, and I saw regular Voltron a couple years ago, and yeah, it is crap. It doesn't hold up well. So, <laughs> but I I can't I can't I don't even know about vehicle Voltron because I have not seen it in years. I know that that's the new favorite of all the people on the internet now is oh vehicle Voltron, but we'll I like can't. to call we'll like to call those guys anime hipsters. 
I can't remember. I can't remember. I, I out of uh, out of the two between Go Lion and Die Rugger Fifteen. I I, I I when I was younger, I did like uh, the vehicles, but uh, I I've come to appreciate the lines more. I, I just think that fifteen vehicles what coming look, together. What, what did what did look better? That's what the question was. Which one would look better? Uh, I I think the lines do. I think just just the look of it and 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 the style. It's not of the question that suit. of which one looks better. It's the question of which one is better. Okay, that, which one is better wow. to me is the lions easily. Let's let's um I, yeah. Let's make a coming together to form into one combinable robot and um i i just think that it did just overall well, what, it's a better what was one the deal with the vehicles it was like air sea and land right yep it was pretty like much five each i five think each yep how long did that take to transform forever <laughs> that's <laughs> nice that nobody cares <laughs> moving on yeah. his next question this one well, wait, wait what what does the voltron bible say <laughs> I, I don't care what it says <laughs> mulaflaga's next question is and this one seems to be aimed at uh at Soulbro. What's up? It's about nostalgia. Oh boy. <laughs> it says it's good to see Voltron go somewhere with a new story, unlike Robotech spitting its wheels. They are doing that if you have read or heard or read the summary for Voltron Force. In the first few episodes, the Voltron lines are reprogrammed, wipe out a town and kill numerous people, property damage, etc., and then deactivating the line separated. All of this is the work of a galaxy garrison officer trader. So in conclusion, I think it's good to see World Events Productions try to put a new spin on things for the story direction. And I would what hate to see both Neo and Chris brush off a new attempt at a story for the Voltron universe. Look, I'm not brushing anything off. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually quite annoyed with all of the comments about me and Voltron. Hey, hey it's, you, it's, said this, you said the stage. <laughs> look, I don't care for the original. Uh-huh. It doesn't hold up after mm-hmm. all of these years. I watched it when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't watch it anymore. If people like Voltron, they want to watch that or Voltron Force, by all means, please do. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I am just saying it's not for me. I don't have to like the same things that you like. And please, audience, is it okay for me to not have to watch the same things that you watch? That's all I'm saying. Hey. I'm really tired of always being you know, called a hater or someone who dismisses something just because I don't have the same thoughts on it as other people do. Thank you very much. Hey, man, you, just, you clearly put it on the shelf right next to Zoids. It's okay. Yeah, well... <laughs> I have to agree because, like, when I saw it a couple of years ago, it didn't hold up that well to me, and and mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, whatever whatever great thoughts I had as a kid got completely erased by watching it. And I think Voltron has now, I think it's replaced the whole Thundercat thing. You know how people mm-hmm. were always wearing like Thundercat T-shirts and stuff like that, and it's like, you know, I tried watching those old videos on um, YouTube, and that's kind of a, you know, it was kind of a silly show too. So it's like. You know, just because I'm still not in love with it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm hating on it and, you know, it shouldn't degrade from your enjoyment of the show. I mean, there's only a few shows that I hate and those are well chronicled. <laughs> but the, but there's reasons why I hate those. So, but I mean, yeah, screw you. Well, as as for Mr. Mr. Nostalgia here, um, <laughs> Voltron, it was a bright part of my life when I whenever came across it when I was younger, and I still have fond fond thoughts and memories of it. Yeah, it's a bad dub. Yeah, it's a bad translation. Yeah, um, going back and watching it, it's hard. But um, I do like the new relaunch attempt that they're doing. Um, I know they, I think they're trying to get back all the original voice actors, or, or they have accomplished well, so as many let, as let they can get. Let me ask you this question then: yeah. when when you watch something that you had fond memories of, and yeah. then you and you watch it years later, yeah. and you're like, man, this is not very good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't take away from from you on your 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 memories of that show. I mean, because sometimes I think it's it's you know it, it's one of those 
moment in time things where it's like, you know, at that point in my life, I thought it was good. And then I watched it again and it, you know, it just kind of takes away from it. So yeah, but maybe, uh, I should, maybe I shouldn't have gone back and had nostalgia glasses. Well, also, I re- realized I was seven at the time that Voltron was airing on television. And now I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s. So, yeah, I can I can look at it from both sides of the spectrum and say, yeah, this is not something I'm going to watch in the regular. I don't even own Voltron on DVD. I only just watched watch bits and pieces of some episodes on Netflix. And it just gave me a chuckle. But, you know, I, I still think uh, I still think the concept's cool. And I like what I do like what World Events is trying to do now where they're trying to relaunch it like Dreamwave did with Transformers and put a kind of a, a, a more fully realized spin on the story. There's only so much you can do when it comes to, you know, retelling the story or, or continuing the story. But, you know, if they if they if realize how silly the concept was in the beginning and they, they try to improve upon it, I, I can only, you know, just, just look at the uh, the final product and, and make my decision there. But I am interested. I'd like to see what they got going. I know they just recently released a Voltron game on PSN and Xbox Live, which is uh, following in that vein of storytelling. So I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I'll have to, to wait and see how that turns out. But I'm interested. So that's me. All right. So <laughs> that's, that's it for Voltron, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I don't know what the big bug in the ass and uh, big bug in everybody's ass about Voltron is now. Man, it's coming back, man. Is this what's it's what's on the people's hearts and minds right now? So uh, it, it'll pass. Hearts and minds, things I like to crush. There Moving you go. <laughs> you Seraphic said it. asks a, a buttload of questions. He's pulling a Peter here. Oh so. snap. I think we're going to close with him. Cool. Uh, number one, if you were given the helm of your own Gundam series and had to create your own cast, what strategies would you employ to keep Yaoi fans from violating your characters? Would you put a little asterisk? There's nothing wrong with Yaoi. It's just that Yaoi fans do a bad job of keeping it to themselves, and it harms the rest of us when we come across it accidentally. <laughs> Very simple answer. You, I make the cast all hideously ugly old men. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give it with like scars and. Yeah. And like bleeding pores, and mm. you know, big heavy guys, and that's that's it. That's all. That's the entire male cast. Yeah, you uh, you give the chicks will be hot, but the men will all be hideously grotesque. A bunch of munchos. That's what you give them. No, that that <laughs> munch is too pretty. I mean, oh, like, really? wow. Like take guys like Marcus Phoenix, but then make them horrendously ugly. Or uh, or Darth Vader without his mask. Yes, all, everyone looks like that. Or, uh, or, or, or uh, what was his name in um, second, second sack, second gig sack, get sack. Um, Are you about Bato? No, 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 no. no. Oh. The, the guy with the freaking egghead. Um, oh, yeah, that dude. With the G. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, make them all like that. Mm-hmm. They got, yeah. He's like the one crazy eye and. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 that's all. That's all, because you know it's war, so everyone should be hideously deformed. So what you're saying is there'll, there'll be plenty of Yuri fan fiction, but uh, <laughs> but this will better Yuri than Yaoi. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Number two, what is your opinion of the character designs of the Gundam series of the 2000s? I felt the characters were too pretty or sexualized, and none of them looked normal or down to earth. Well, they stopped looking at that a long time ago. Because look at look at Wing. <laughs> Yeah, it was the 2000s. <laughs> you know, generally, if we're talking about the 2000s, what, of course, when it comes to same face Harai, that's all ugly because it's <laughs> same face Harai. But I don't really have a problem with Double um, O and it having pretty boys because it certainly had pretty women yeah. that uh, balance that out. So it's not really an issue for me. But yeah, de- deaf to uh, the character designs of same face Harai. <laughs> <laughs> me and Hair Swap. Swap for anime, but yeah, I, much. I, I agree. 
All right. Number three. Has Gundam or any other sci-fi anime or show inspired you to learn some science you would have never looked into otherwise? What did you look into? Honestly, no. Uh, nuclear physics. I don't I, have uh, time. I took a I took a I took a couple classes in nuclear physics. <laughs> I know when I um, wanted to create a, a Minoski reactor. <laughs> I, I wanted to take an online course in in GN physics from yes. a uh, prestigious unaccredited university. <laughs> I I know when it came to mobile suit, um, I I definitely looked up a, a lot on the O'Neill cylinder. Um, because of the colonies and whatnot, I thought that was a fascinating thing. I, I, to learn that it was based upon Wikipedia you know, doesn't count. Well, I'm just saying, just overall, just 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 it, it counts for something. <laughs> it's just you can't expect it to be 100 percent accurate. But the O'Neill cylinder was like the one big thing in in Gundam that I wanted to look into and just just see about that. And uh, I I thought that was really cool. I, I guess that's the one thing I did do a little research on after seeing Mobile Suit. All right, next. What are some of your favorite mechanical designs done by Katoki? Haha, ha, you guys can't fall back on Zeta MS now. <laughs> I like, because, because in Noise M, I like any designs of Katoki that have really, really, really long legs. Yeah. Because that's what they hate, so I'm going to say I just to needle them. <laughs> but seriously, um, you know, he get, he's most well-known for, like, doing a lot of stuff like redesigns of old suits that are ugly from other people or doing stuff like the unicorn but some of his most underrated designs that hardly get any attention the the victory and the victory 2 which i love oh wow yeah the victory 2 was an awesome because they look they're they're much more smoother and rounded very uncharacteristic for his usual sort of design yeah not as yeah not as big okay and he asks also, uh, well, Silver, do you have any des- any designs to mention? Go from Katoki. Um, I like his redesign of uh, the, uh, the, the no no damn it. <laughs> um, I do like his redesign of the uh, the original RX seventy eight two. I love that design, and I also dig his design, of course, for the unicorn. So um, those are those are the ones I can name right off the bat. All right. Next, he asks, will you be importing Gundam Extreme versus in December? I will likely need to wait for a price drop or maybe the sequel. Still hoping for Epion. No. <laughs> I got to say I'm no not, myself. <laughs> I'm not wasting $100 on what looks like just some upported PSP game. Yeah. I'll wait till it drops down to like $30 on eBay and then I'll I'll import it, but not before then cuz that's ridiculous and <laughs> I have better ways to waste my money. Yeah, if I'm not spending 100 bucks on other, you know, on better games and more original games, then there's chances are me spending on that are going to be pretty slim. So. <laughs> Number six, what are your favorite humor anime series? I really love Great Teacher Onizuka and School Rumble. Most anything by Akitaro Daichi is also excellent. Man. I'm just going to cop out and say One Piece. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to get done with this. When, so. Neo, uh, Neo, I don't want to steal yours before, um, before okay. you say it. So, um... Just go well, ahead and say it. All right, I, I've got three. Um, I've got Azumanga Dial, freaking hilarious. Every bit of it, whether it be in animated format or manga format. Uh, great te- Teacher Onizuka, I love that series too. I think that's great. And then um, Golden Boy, the fallback classic, the OVA of champions. I love, I love Golden Boy and every every bit of it. That's probably my my. Oh, and uh, El Hazard. Those are those are the ones that I I dig a lot. And um, I'll also those, throw in Mason Koku because it's awesome. There you go, Takahashi man. I'll um I'll throw in. I don't think it was intended to be um a comedy, but when I watched it, it made me laugh and made me kind of sick at the same time. Razapon. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, so trolly. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, just, call me, just, just call me trolly pants. <laughs> you are trolly pants. It's better than DK pants. Number seven. Uh, seven? Eight. Yes. Out eight of how many? Eight. Eight. Oh, okay. 
Number seven, a, a personal favorite of Seraphic. What is your personal advice to the audience this week? What? What My is personal? your personal advice to the audience this week? Live hype. <laughs> if you're going to hate, hate well. There you go. Hate, hate, uh, informed hate is the best hate. Deodorant is good. <laughs> yeah, that too. Sage words. Sage. Cons. And, and number eight, are you guys doing the right thing? I said, are you doing the right thing? Never. <laughs> yes, shut up and, 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 and give up. Good questions. Yes, so that's it for the mailbag, and please continue to send us submissions both on the MechaTalk forum and to our Google Voice number. So I'm going to turn it over now to Solbro to wrap things up. All right. Um, any last words, gentlemen, before we uh, get into the, uh, the, the, old, the, the old routine of uh, peeping the websites and whatnot? Any, any, any things that you guys like to mention before we close out? No. No. Well, damn, y'all, y'all are tapped out. Well, I know I have, uh, I have a few shout-outs to give, as, as I, as I said I would. Of course. Um, shout-outs to the Gundam Nation, as usual. I also like to, to, to extend some shout-outs to some of our female listeners, which we have a few. I know it's shocking. Uh, Kashiria, Kosh, and Katie at the Facebook page, and uh, all the other female listeners that listen. Um, shout hey, so, out! I got I to jump in and ruin your shout out party. All right, go ahead, go ahead. To to bring up something that was brought up in the uh, Mecha Talk thread for the last episode. Oh, uh, way to forget your Argama contest rules. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh. About that. <laughs> yeah. Good job there. Good job. Yeah, because wow. somebody had asked that and I, I had to post and I said, no, he just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> shout outs shout out to me for forgetting uh, about the prize. Yes, the argument is still um, here and uh, I will be will be uh, giving it away. Actually, uh, the contest rules will be posted at gundam.net before Wait. this episode is up. So um, when you hear this episode, head over to gundam.net and the details will be right there and it'll be it'll be all up there for you to uh, take in and we'll be announcing the winner um, right after uh, uh, in the first episode of uh, next year so maybe or maybe not no no we will <laughs> if I'm running the contest we will it's never gonna get done no, no it'll get done uh, like I said um, by the time this episode comes up even before this episode gets posted the rules will be up at Gundam.net. I remember, you were the one that created the contest. Oh, yeah. You, you were the one that promised it to the people. You got it. It's, uh, I was looking right dead at the Argama box right here. Nothing but broke a trail of broken promises. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> so, but uh, sh- shout-outs for me for being forgetful. But uh, <laughs> Also, shout-outs to uh, MSV Porn, as we saw plenty in uh, Unicorn. Man, did we see a plenty in that. And um, shout-outs to, um, this is a personal shout-out from me. Um, shout-outs to Community. Um, I love that show. It's on NBC. It's in danger of being canceled. Watch that shit. It's great. You'll thank me. And um, last but not least, shout-outs to Inspector Spacetime. And make it say, Doctor Who? <laughs> Other than that, uh, also um, make sure to peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M-A-H-Q. That's the Mecca and Anime Headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to ChaosTheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And last but not least, Shinjuku Station has a movie podcast. Shinjuku Station at the Movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com. And um, that's it for episode 91. 
Man, I thought it would never end with all oh. these shout-outs and websites and, hey. and whatnot. And that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm up to the point now. It's like I don't even understand half these shout-outs. That's great. You're, you're now giving, you're now shouting out the shows hey. <laughs> on your DVR. <laughs> and random hey. mobile suit designs. Hey, man, I'm doing things. I'm doing <laughs> random mobile suits. That's it for Gundam at MAHQ this time. We'll see you guys next episode. Listen, Simon, don't believe in yourself. Huh? Believe in me. Believe in the Kamina who believes in you. Brotherly combining! Gorin Just who the hell do you think I am? down. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. Hey, hey, can I ask you something that I've always wanted to ask a real Batman? Yeah. Are you as strong as my, my friend Dominic's dad? Stronger. How is Dominic? He's good. <laughs> can I ask you something I always wanted to ask the real Batman? Yeah. Since you're a big bat, can you turn into a tiny vampire? Anytime, anyplace. Do it now. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Don't freak everybody out here. Don't freak everybody out. We'll do it later. I don't want to freak you out. I don't want to freak you out. <laughs> can I ask you something I always wanted to ask the real Batman? Yeah. Are you my uncle? Are we gonna kiss? <laughs> oh my god. Just that cool. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I ask you a question that I always want to ask the real Batman? Go for it. Wonder Woman. Yeah. You hit that? All day. She was my first. That's what's up. You know it's a chastity belt, right? It's a chastity belt. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Can I ask you something I always want to ask the real Batman? Yeah. I forgot the real life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I can I ask you something I always want to ask the real Batman? Yeah. Why are your movies so good? <laughs> Don't it's not funny. It's a legit question. <laughs>